Good evening, ghouls and fiends. Welcome once again to another edition of the Ministry of Horror Live, or not quite live, you're listening to this, uh, on the MOS Network. It is Tuesday evening and another chilly evening here in the UK. Uh, I hope everyone is well and everyone has had a nice start to their week. Not too terrifying, hopefully. Um, oof. Yeah, it's been it's been strange after a month of watching a horror film every day. Every day. Um I've not watched a heck of a lot of horror in the last week. Um I've dipped into some TV and when I finish one of these seasons I'll do a review of them, but I've watched a couple episodes of Cabinet of Curiosities, Guillermo del Toro's uh Netflix anthology sh- show. I've also watched the first episode now of The Midnight Club. Um interesting. Interesting. And I watched a couple episodes of The Watcher. Not too sure on that one. Uh, that's probably more thriller uh, than uh, than horror. Uh, but I have got a film for review, and we have also got the homework to discuss. And I have got homework uh, for you guys for this week. So we have got some of those things on the docket to go through. Don't you worry. Um, in a couple of weeks, we are going to be returning to some gaming. Uh, Man of, not, I keep on saying Man of Flipping Madan. It's not. Dark Pictures Anthology, uh, Devil in Me comes out, and I've got that pre-ordered. So I will be streaming that. I'll confirm with Lawrence a uh, a good time or day to, to stream that. Uh, I used to do my gaming streaming on a Monday. I don't want to do that anymore because, as we mentioned, probably either on here or on my Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Tezius, T-E-Z-Z-I-U-S, uh, I thought I'd find that I would feel burnt, burnt out, tired. Um, you know, I would just find that I'd be a bit like, oh, God. By the time we got to the Ministry of Horror show on Tuesday, I'd have done two, three hours minimum of Ministry of Slam, a couple of hours of gaming, and then, you know, no doubt a couple of hours of Ministry of Horror, and I'd be a bit like, oh, God, a bit worn down. So I've got that to look forward to. I am, I am toying with the idea of... I just, it just needs to find the right balance of doing some more kind of game streaming because um, I've really been getting into Elden Ring and God of War. I I told myself, fucking finish God of War because maybe, yeah, God of War 2018 because I played it a few years ago, st- got stuck on a level which turns out is incredibly easy and I kind of th- told myself I probably haven't got too much further to go so if I, if I can finish it in a couple of days I'll pre-order Ragnarok. You know, it's kind of expensive but it's a little bit cheaper on Amazon than it is on the PlayStation Store. Um, I had a look on a walkthrough just to get an idea of where I am in the game just about over halfway through so I thought you know what good excuse not to order God of War Ragnarok I've got plenty of this to play through and I am getting back into the world of God of War 2018 so I'm enjoying it no rush to get the new game and you know by the time I finish this game that will have hopefully come down a bit in price you know because 60 62 pounds 69 pounds it's a fair chunk of change in today's economy. Um, and Elden Ring. I, I streamed a bit of Elden Ring a few weeks, well, about a month or two back on Twitch. Very briefly, very briefly, I was getting destroyed by the Wolf of Redan or the Red Wolf, something like that. Um, I'd, I was listening to a podcast, the IGN podcast, and they'd said about if you get stuck, you know, you just head south and things get a bit easier. So I did that. And it worked. I beat a few bosses, leveled up, got loads of these whetstones. So my Uchikatana, whatever it's called, my uh, Samurai Blade is boss. And I got this Ashes of War, which is like a special move where you basically jump and land on your ass. 
and I was destroying people. And I went back, I unlocked an area which, when I ran through it, I thought oh, I'm going to get destroyed here. But it's where you had to get two parts of a, of a medallion to open up a whole new area. But I went back to that boss that I'd been stuck on, the wolf, and killed it the first time. You know, took a few hits. I took a fair bit of damage, but yeah. It is a good game. It's a rewarding game. It's just got quite a steep learning curve to begin with, but once you can kind of overcome that and find the areas, you know, where you can make some good progress, it is a lot of fun. I, I, I do enjoy it. Not for everyone. I probably won't finish it because I've never finished a Dark Souls game. I finished Bloodborne because I, I found a cheat on that. I found a hack, basically. Um, so what we've got, we've got a few people in the chat. We've got Bruce Todd. Hey, how's it going? My name's not Earl. Hey. Fran Cans here. Uh, Fran says they've updated both Man of Medan and Little Hope. I've still not finished Little Hope. That's the one that I've found the least interesting. I don't think I'm far off the end of it, but I... Yeah, Little Hope didn't really do it for me. Man of Medan was good, but I thought the ending was a bit shit. Um, Bruce Todd says, don't play much games, but the one I keep going back to is Rising Storm 2 Vietnam. It's a blast. Nice. It's always good to have those kind of almost comfort games, the ones that you can just dip back into and, and have a good time with. Um, but yeah, I, I will, I'll potentially see about doing some gaming. I mean, my studying is getting quite busy. Like, I mean, it's one week will be read like 200 odd pages of a book, then do a couple of hours of studying. This week I've got no book reading, but I've got to listen and analyze some podcasts, about three hours worth of them, along with some other stuff. And it's good, but I mean, it is time consuming and I've, I've just, it's, you know, it's all about balance. At the moment I have found doing Ministry of Slam on Sundays, Ministry of Horror on Tuesdays, good. And every so often on Fridays or Saturdays, depending on availability, I'll do a watch party, watch one or two films on the Twitch channel. And they're always a lot of fun. But like everything, guys, it's about finding that balance. You don't want to burn yourself out. You want to have a good time, you know, doing what you need to do, your work and extracurricular stuff. And then, you know, what you have fun doing, which is like shows like this and gaming. Anyway, that's enough of a pre preamble. I had told myself, which I tell myself every week, and I tell you guys every week, no, it's not going to be a long show tonight because um, I, I started getting quite a strange headache like right in the front of my uh, of my head uh, about two, three hours ago, like near the, near the end of work. Seems okay now. I, I took the pooch out for a very quick evening walk, which I'm sure he's not that happy about. Um, maybe we'll go for another quick one after, after the show's done. But uh, yeah, it's incredibly cold outside and yeah. Um... Oh, Baby Ice is now in the chat. Hey, how's it going, Baby Ice? A holler gang, a watched barbarian, speak no evil, and the homework last night so tired. That's commitment, Baby Ice. I hope you enjoyed, if not all of those, at least some of those. Um, speak no evil, I thought was pretty powerful. Uh, generally, generally thought that was pretty good. And I really enjoyed Barbarian. Um, we'll talk about the homework a bit later on. But yes, I agree with Bruce Todd. He's just uh, said in the chat, a bit of a marathon. Certainly is. So, guys... Before we get into the news and uh, and the rest of the show, should also say, you know, today we're talking about Chucky. Season two is uh, well in the swing of things over in America. We haven't got a release date over here yet, but I would imagine it will come onto the uh, Sky Sci-Fi channel or Sky Max, whichever one, that where the previous season was, was shown in the UK. We did get it probably after the US run had finished. Um, but it's about halfway through in the States of its second season. So we are going to be talking about Chucky and the Child's Play franchise. Uh, the films involved in that, um, I'll touch on the, the, the remake, but I do, I, I just remembered when I was pulling together my images, I completely forgot about that, to be honest. Not a bad film, I just completely forgot about it. So we'll touch on it, but we won't go too in depth on the remake. Um, 
I'll do the little bits of uh, admin and, and homework first, then we'll get knee-deep into the latest in uh, horror news and new films coming out this week. Um, if you're new to the channel, we're live on YouTube. This is a horror show. goes out every Tuesday live on uh, the MOS Network on YouTube. Uh, please give the show a, uh, a like, and if you're new to the channel, give us a subscribe. We do have memberships. We have super chats. All that good stuff it really does help with running costs of the show. Uh, and all that jazz. We'll have a store coming soon uh, on the MOS network, which will have um, hopefully some T-shirts. Should be a um, an MOS uh, a Ministry of Horror T-shirt in that. Um, I've taken a bit of a backseat because Lawrence is a lot better than me at the designing stuff. But I mean, I've done some. So with Vipco, I made a made a T-shirt for that. Um, so I'm, I, I I will when I can engage my brain, I will get involved with uh, with doing something like a T-shirt on there. But that should be fun. That should be fun. Um, and uh, yeah, if you're listening to this, you know, on on podcast feeds, give us a five star review and all that stuff. Help spread the word of the show. Share, 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 share alike. Um, let's get in now. Finally, to can't remember what my horror news soundbite is. Uh, let's go for that one. Oh shit. Good thing I've just noticed that I've got the sound bites turned off, so let's uh, go with that one. You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish, understand? There you go. Ghostface told you. So first up on this week's news, I'll drop a link in the live chat. This comes from, as per all news, bloodydisgusting.com. And this is from John Squires. This are these. This are these are the five new horror movies releasing this week, including all jacked up and full of worms. So these are the new releases from November 8th to November 13th. First up, the bloody disgusting powered Screenbox streaming service is serving up another slice of gross-out indie horror this week with All Jacked Up and Full of Worms. Alex Phillips' psychedelic freakout is now streaming on Screenbox. In the film, working at a seedy motel, maintenance man Roscoe, played by Philip Andre Botello, is always searching for his latest fix. When he stumbles upon a powerful, powerfully hallucinogenic worm, his days of dime store drugs are over. Along with his new love interest, played by uh, Trevor Dawkins, the pair embark on a delirious odyssey of sex, violence, and becoming one with the dirt. The transgress transgressive splatter comedy also stars, as mentioned, Trevor Dawkins, Betsy Brown, with Mike Lopez, Noah Lepowski, and Eva Fellows. There is a trailer in the chat. That sounds a bit crazy. Don't know why, but it was automatically kind of making me think a bit of... Um, is it bright i think it might be called bright no not bright bliss bliss we watched it on uh it's on amazon prime prime uh, streaming at the moment and we watched it on the twitch uh, watch party um i, I thought that was, that was a pretty decent film i no idea if there's anything like it uh, as far as i know there's no crossover with uh with cast or crew but check it out i, I don't mind a good psychedelic uh mindfuck of a film next up Park Hunjun's The Witch Part 1 The Subversion gets a sequel with The Witch Part 2 The Other One, now available on DVD and VOD in the United States today. In the sequel to the popular Korean sci-fi action thriller, the story moves away from a confined secret lab and out into the real world. After a mysterious girl emerges as the sole survivor of a bloody raid on the research facility behind the top-secret witch program, she is rescued by a pair of civilians who soon realise the girl is both very powerful and in very grave danger. 
However, as the assassins tasked with locating and silencing the girl move ever closer, the lives of everyone around her fall under increasingly great peril. Uh, Cynthia, aka Shin Sia, stars with Park Yun Bin, Xiao and Su, Jin Jo, Sung Yun Bin, Jo Min Su, Lee Jung Suk. Uh, actress Kim Dae Mi reprises her role from the first film. Again, there's a trailer. Never seen The Witch Part 1. I've also seen The Witch, The Witch, the Robert Eggers film, but uh, no, not familiar with this. Let me know, guys, in the chat if you've seen the original. I've never yeah, I've never even heard of it. So I don't know what uh, platforms it would be available over over in, uh, in these here parts. But check it out. So, moving on. From producer Jeffrey Reddick, creator of the Final Destination franchise, the Willowbrook was also released on digital platforms today, courtesy of Gravitas Ventures. A renowned wellness influencer invites one of her recently overdosed followers to seek recovery at her small town manor. Once the follower arrives, she realises the dark world existing within the manor is not what she, nor millions of others, perceive from the internet. With a gripping and fast-paced tone, this film explores the duplicitous side of social media. Written and directed by first-time director Zach Cope, The Willowbrook stars Jessica Bishop, Erin Day and Lawrence J. Hughes. The film is a ragtag pictures production. Hmm. Okay. I mean, yeah, yeah. Sounds alright. Doesn't sound like anything too new. Um... I mean, arriving in a town, not, the world isn't what it seems like. That's kind of your typical psychological horror fair. Not necessarily a bad thing. I always just have that uh, concern that it gets to the final third or gets to the end and it's like, oh, it's all in their head. And you know, I, you know I hate that. You know I hate that. So in the chat, uh, Bruce Todd said, uh, Speaking of Chucky, I listened to an artist called Alec Empire who had a sample of a song. I recently learned from the German dub of Child's Play. Listened to the song for years and had no idea. Oh, okay. I mean, I, I sometimes find, like, I like, I haven't listened to them for a while, but I like a lot of Children of Bodom and uh, White Zombie, Rob Zombie. And more so, White Zombie, Rob Zombie will have samples, but also Children of Bodom did, of classic horror films. And uh, the amount of times where I then years later be watching that film just per chance like a classic black and white film or early 60s or 70s film and then hear this hear the bit and think oh that's where that's where the sample's from uh bruce Toll says part one i guess of the witch is awesome part two is cool I saw part one at glasgow fright fest oh nice gruff's in the chat um hey gruff you don't worry about being late it's all good it's all gravy uh moving on a Northern Irish folk horror movie, Shudder recently picked up Mandrake for streaming release in the United States, and the film begins streaming on Thursday, November 10th. Uh, before I kind of continue, I did notice something actually today. So a little while ago, and I reviewed it, um, we talked about The Watcher, or Watcher, I can't remember, the Michael Monroe thriller film, and the news had it as being released on Shudder. This was probably about a month back, two months back. And I was really hyped, but I was just like, why is this not on Shudder? Why is this not in streaming? Eventually, I managed to get a review copy, which was very cool. And I really enjoyed it. I think I gave it a 7.5 7 or 8 out of 10. thought it was very good. That's now getting a cinema release here, which I'm quite surprised about. Because whilst I thought it was good, I really enjoyed it. And it's I, I much preferred to Smile, which has obviously done big, you know, pretty big numbers. I think it might be in the news coming up. We'll talk about that. I thought it was better than that. I was still kind of surprised because it didn't feel like a big 
studio film uh but yeah that is getting a cinema release now in the uk i think it is out now or if not this week so if you are planning to go to the weekend uh, go to the weekend go to the cinema anytime soon i would employ you to give uh watcher the michael monroe film a a watch if you haven't already it's a thriller and i thought it was great um my, my name is not on the chat the watcher tv and movie are they connected no no uh, the tv series is based on a true story i don't know how much of it is is true um and watcher i think it might just be called watcher is it's just a similar title but it's yeah then they're, they're not connected at all my name is not l um so anyway mandrake the film follows probation officer kathy madden who's given the task of rehabilitating notorious killer bloody mary laid law back into society after 20 years of jail kathy Ooh, excuse me kathy has always believed that every client deserves a shot at redemption but her beliefs are firmly tested when two children disappear near mary's farm deirdre mullins of the drowning plays kathy in the upcoming mandrake and uh Dur- Crotty stars as bloody mary laidlow the cast also includes seamus o'hara that is the most irish name <laughs> possible um jude hill and Royson gallagher Lynn Davison, directed Mandrake, written by Matt Harvey, who did an act of defiance. I think that sounds pretty interesting. Um, if that is available here in the UK on Shudder, I, I will check that out. There is a trailer in the link. Uh, but I do like a folk horror. Um, I've seen quite a few Irish films in the last uh, five years or so. They've been pretty good. They do generally seem to have quite a good track record. Um, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend giving it a watch. We then move on to uh, the last of our new films, and also, I guess, for fans of Cobra Kai, you may be interested in this. Um, How well do you really know your friends? Peyton List from Cobra Kai leads the cast of the horror movie The Friendship Game, available on VOD platforms this Friday from RLJE Films. The film revolves around a group of teenagers who encounter a strange object that tests their bonds to each other with increasingly destructive consequences. Brendan Meyer from Color Out of Space, Kelsey Mawima from To All the Boys franchise, Caitlin Santa Juan of The Flash, and Dylan Schlomming of Warcraft also start. Scooter Corkle, Scooter, uh, Hollow in the Land, out of the film, written by Damien Ober of The OA. Man, I remember series one of the OA on uh, on Netflix. I watched the whole of that season. I know there's been a second one. I never got around to it. Intrigued. Interested. Wondering where this is going. This seems pretty out there. And again, I don't know if maybe these questions got answered in season two. I, I, I was so bummed out by the finale when... They all just, but they trying to open this gateway. They all do this absolutely stupid dance routine. I mean, it's not a dance routine. It's a routine of movements, which are apparently required to create this this doorway through like dimensions or for travel or whatever. Going off on a tangent, but I remember thinking, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> um, but if you're fans of the OA, cool. Let me know if season two's worth a shot. I know it. I know it got cancelled, so I imagine it didn't get a proper ending. Which sucks, very unfortunate, but at the end of the day, season one ended with an absolute absolute fart. Um, so what's the chat saying? Uh, Baby, I have so many films and shows named The Watcher. Uh, the only The Watcher I have seen is the Keanu Reeves serial killer movie, My Name's Not Earl Says. I'm aware of that, I've not seen it. 
Bruce told the Irish uh, one where they have to stay drunk was a blast. Uh, yeah, grabbers, uh, Bruce. Um, Bruce Todd Franz says. I think Franz mentioned grabbers. I've not seen it, but but aware of it. Um, yeah, there we go. That's the new films. Let's move on to the rest of the news. So, talking about Smile earlier on, Smile crosses the $200 million worldwide, while Halloween End slashes into $100 million. Horror is currently dominating the box office, with Bloody Disgusting's own Terrified 2 scaring up $10 million since its original release one month ago, and that's just the start, as two other Halloween releases just smashed through big milestones at the box office. First up, Parker Finn's Smile has now laughed its way to $202.9 million worldwide. The film released in theatres on September 30th and is legging its way through the entire Halloween season. The reported production budget for Smile was a mere $17 million, which means that Paramount Pictures has a massive hit on their hands with the buzzy original horror title. No doubt that means franchise. And I guess you could say that the story with its mythos could be open to a franchise. I just thought it was fine. I I didn't think it was... It certainly wasn't a It Follows, and it felt like it was kind of going in that vein, but uh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, another horror movie that's still in domestic top ten is David Gordon Green's Halloween Ends. Uh, I should say this read-up comes from Blood Disgusting, from John Squires, um, which uh, Halloween Ends has to date scaled up $63.4 million domestically and $39.4 million uh, internationally. That brings the worldwide total for Halloween Ends up to $102.9 million um, as of this writing, and that's with the third installment of the trilogy also being available on Peacock at Home. For the sake of comparison, Halloween Kills slashed up $133.4 million last year in theatres, with that movie also releasing day and date in theatres and on Peacock as well. The most important thing, all three movies mentioned here, Terrifier 2, Smile, Halloween Ends, are profitable, so horror wins all around this Halloween and beyond. The only thing left to do is smile. Um, yeah, I mean, if Halloween's not the season to have horror films out in cinema, what is? And I think that's great. I think that's, you know, that's great news. It, it's always sad when you see films that go out to die at the cinema and don't do well. And they might find a cult following later on, which is great. But for some, some instances, that could be too late for a, a director or a writer who may feel despondent from how that film's done or may just, you know, not get the opportunities for that they should have got, you know, if it, if it had been a hit at the time. So films doing well in the horror genre is great. Terrified 2, very surprised, very surprised by that because by my enjoyment, I should say. Um, word of mouth has done incredible for this film. It's partly crowdfunded, production budget was 250k of which was you know like i say partly crowdfunded so to know 10 million is brilliant um and i wasn't expecting to enjoy it because i didn't really like the the prior installments relating to art the clown but i thought it was pretty good i thought it was enjoyable mental <laughs> very very mental but it's enjoyable um barbarian it's a good good question my name is not oh let's check that out i really enjoyed barbarian my sister watched it and said it was meh i know some people have been like uh, it's not really all that not really all that in a bag of potato chips. Uh, Barbarian 2022 box office. Oh, God, why can't I spell? Let's have a look. So, 43.3 million uh, so far. 40.7 million in the United States and Canada. 2.7 in other territories for a worldwide total of 43.5 against a production budget of 4.5. So, I mean, basically 10, 10 times 
10 times uh, profit. I mean, production budget won't include marketing and such, but uh, I don't think it's had a huge marketing campaign. It's another film that's had a lot of word of mouth buzz. I, I got the hype for it without having ever seen a trailer or anything, just Twitter, seeing things on Twitter. So not not like huge in comparison, but still against the budget. I think that's really good. Pretend it's, you know, oh, sorry, I just noticed the, the live chat. Uh, so what can we see here? Smile, Bruce Todd says... Uh, dental implants from the Czech Republic because it was cheaper <laughs> uh, small uh, um, yeah uh, oh yeah I don't know if I'm just reading that wrong I don't, I don't fully understand sorry uh, the graph no more talks of ends rubbish end to a potentially great trilogy rubbish film um, also graph what the hell were they thinking end of the trilogy with a story about a brand new character for fuck's sake <laughs> uh, Fran what trilogy? Halloween was a duology. Um, and Bruce Todd, ah, the, the old pretend it doesn't exist tactic. What I will say, guys, um, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the show, but I, I listened to the RKG podcast. Those guys got me into Dark Souls when they were on IGN, and they did a retrospective look at all the Halloween films called Halloween The Definitive Collection. And in one of the most recent episodes, when they talked about Halloween Ends, or it might have been when they were ranking the whole franchise, um... They said something which is very, very interesting. And again, apologies for already said this on the show, but we're talking about Halloween ends once again in the chat. And hopefully this will be the last time we talk about Halloween ends. Um, no, you know, if you if you enjoyed it, that's fine. That's perfectly fine. There's no gatekeeping on this show at all. Um, but obviously Halloween ends has come up for discussion quite a bit. We even did a whole show reviewing it and, and the other films in the, uh, the supposed trilogy. But they, they had a very good point. We can ignore all the other sequels. And because, you know, Halloween 2018 does. So look at 2018 as a companion film to Halloween and have it end as that does, where they get away in the car, the house burns down with Michael in the basement. And all you can do, and well, to, to, to just spice it up a little bit, to not do too much of a disservice to kills, take the 1978 segments from kills and also take a couple of the kills from kills, such as the... Stabbing the guy in the back with a whole bunch of different knives till he finds the right one. That was very, very powerful. And also when he kills the two guys that are living in his house, he does a little tableau that's very powerful. And also one of the kills, he basically tears a guy's head open, which is insane. Take those kills and the 78 moments, super cut them into the 2018 film, and you've got a brilliant, and I really enjoyed 2018, but you've got like a really supersized 2018 film. Perfect companion piece to the original. Um, and there we go. And just ignore ends because uh, if you again, if you enjoy it, that's fine. Anyway, let's move on. No more Halloween ends talks. Um, <laughs> okay, one of these next things I've got for the news we don't need to talk about because we've already covered it in the new films. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so the next bit of news was going to be talking about um, all full up of worms, whatever it's called, being on screen box. And I thought we've talked about that. That was on the uh new films so i've gone to my next tab that's open and would you fucking believe it this is the headline halloween ends dated with a digital and physical release with deleted and extended scenes i've literally 30 seconds ago just said we'll have no more talk of halloween ends and i completely forgot that when prepping up the news this was one of the headlines um uh okay i'm sorry but let's let's talk about it 
because I've got it. I've, <laughs> I've got it in here. Um, okay, so John Squires by disgusting.com. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just found that fucking hilarious. Um, after passing $100 million at the worldwide box office, David Gordon Green's Halloween Ends, which is now streaming on Peacock, is next headed to digital and physical media. I will preface, whilst I didn't enjoy this, I will buy the 4K Blu-ray because I've got the other films, well, the other, you know, original 2018 kills on 4K Blu-ray. The completionist in me, you know, can't not have them. I've even got the Rob Zombie films. I don't really like them. Um... <laughs> Yeah, it's coming to digital and physical media. The Halloween Ends Collector's Edition uh, is yours to own with deleted and extended scenes on uh, digital November 15th and 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray December 27th, 2022. Special features include deleted and extended scenes, featurettes, No Place Like Haddonfield, Final Girl, Ending Halloween. Now, that'll be an interesting watch. That'll be an interesting watch and more. And I, I bet the more is probably subtitles and... Um, alternate languages because a lot of these films when they get the blu-ray 4k release if it's a current film even if this says collector's edition you will get fuck all uh additional additional uh content it, it compared to when dvd started and you know the, the the bonus features these days do seem to be piss unless it's a proper 20th anniversary collector's edition or something you know uh <laughs> well, we'll read the blurb here the most acclaimed and revered horror franchise in film history reaches its epic and terrifying conclusion as laurie strode faces off for the last time against the embodiment of evil michael myers michael hasn't been seen for four years after the events of halloween kills laurie lives with her granddaughter allison who's a completely different character to the last two films and has chosen to liberate herself from fear and rage and embrace life when a young man is accused of killing a boy he was babysitting, a cascade of violence and terror is ignited with a final confrontation between Laurie and Michael, unlike any ever captured on screen. Only one of them will survive. Uh, Rohan Campbell also stars. I mean, poor guy. He's probably getting torn apart these days. It, you know, his performance isn't necessarily bad, but just the writings. <laughs> uh, will Patton as Officer Frank Hawkins. Kyle Richards as Lindsay Wallace. Man, that was attacked on attacked on look we've got her back and we've just put her in the tiniest role and james jude courtney is the shape michael mars okay well there's that news um <laughs> bruce todd's just said in the live chat director's commentary is just look i'm sorry all right christ <laughs> do, do you know what i remember when i picked up the halloween kills extended edition and i was thinking i was still very much like I've only seen it the once in the cinema. I had that feeling of, I think I enjoyed it. I'm not sure if it's a 7 or a 7.5. And then when I slept in it, I was like, eh, it's more like a 6 to 7, maybe a 6.5. When I rewatched it and I got the, the 4K Blu-ray and watched the extended edition and the deleted scenes. I mean, the deleted scenes were quite poor. And the extended scenes, I mean, other than the additional bit at the end, which I get why they cut because it would have made it feel like the sequel is going to come right after that. So I, I do understand it, but I mean, really extended scenes, it was basically that and maybe a couple of other bits where they were just drawn out slightly. It, it was a bit of a piss take. It really wasn't a, a, a I mean, his extended was basically using the, hey, technically the runtime's been extended. You know, it's, it's a bit, bit of bullshit. So I'm not expecting Halloween ends to be like, a, oh, it's the producer's cut, you know. <laughs> Say what you will about that. Anyway, enough on Halloween. Let's move on, guys. 
Uh, creature comedy Crabs, or Crabs, because it's got an exclamation point, brings man-eating crabs home for the holidays. Uh, <laughs> I'll put the link in the chat so you can see the image uh, if you want. But this comes from Blood Disgusting, John Squires. And don't worry, this isn't related to Halloween Ends. No more on that. Described as Zombievers meets Godzilla, the indie creature feature Crabs is headed home in time for the holidays. Available to watch on iTunes, Google Play, and Amazon Prime on November 15th, 2022. Bird Disgusting has also learned today that a bonus features packed director's edition Blu-ray will be released just one week later on November 22nd. In the film from director Pierce Berlsheimer, Mutated by nuclear runoff, a horde of murderous horseshoe crabs descend on a sleepy California town, causing prom night terror. As the deadly crustaceans claw their way through the disbelieving population, it's up to a ramshackle band of students and police to address the increasingly ginormous crab menace in a love letter to such practical effects horrors as Gremlins and nostalgic Roger Corman classics. The cast of unlikely human, unlucky humans sorry, in this one includes Dylan Riley Snyder, Jessica Morris, Robert Craighead, Ali Jennings, Bryce Durfee, and Chase Paget. There, there is a trailer. I've not seen it yet, but just from that blurb, I, I would be, <laughs> I'd be interested to watch that. That does sound like a lot of fun. I really enjoyed Zombievers. Um, you know, I, I, you got a soft spot for people making uh b movies creature feature b movies in the modern day you know I i'm all for that it's always a lot of fun uh fran the cannon in the live chat um so a seafood version of eight-legged freaks possibly this looks like it's more practical effects eight-legged freaks even back in the day was very clearly cgi of course um <laughs> baby ice yes crabs are dangerous and my name is not Earl in the chat the only scary thing about crabs is the sexual disease <laughs> Oh dear guys. Um <laughs> but we'll move on <laughs> to the next pet. So Dawning. Screenbox acquires haunting festival favourite out of AFM. It's come from Brad, Brad Miska, Blood Disgusting. Uh Sydney Diggum, Blood Disgusting Screenbox are excited to announce they have picked up yet another horror title out of the American film market, Young Min Kim's dramatic horror Dawning, which celebrated a long festival run leading up to this fall's market. Yes, The Korean Chill is yet another horror film about trauma, but it's incredibly compelling with some truly effective scares. In Dawning, Hyjin Park, a trauma therapist, is forced to face her family's darkest past when she returns to her childhood countryside farm to console her heartbroken younger sister. It stars uh, Kim Ellis, Una Kim and Veronica Kim and played at Panic Fest, Asian American International Film Festival, Cam Fest, Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival and the Heartland International Film Festival. Uh, yeah, I mean, that seems pretty interesting. Poster looks fairly ominous. Um, I'm not familiar with, uh, with, with the film, but yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'm interested in that, interested in that. But that's coming into Screenbox, which again, we don't get in the UK, which is bullshit, in 2023. So, now, this is poignant because of what we're talking about today's show. Uh, this comes from... Brad Miska, but disgusting. Living with Chucky. Screenbox acquires Child's Play doc that celebrates the entire franchise. 
Screenbox has acquired the festival hit Living with Chucky, a full-blown child's play documentary that celebrates the entire franchise and was directed by Kyra Elise Gardner. The film, which had its world premiere at the Popcorn Frights Film Festival in August and recently screamed at Fantastic Fest in Austin, is set to premiere on Cindy Diggum's horror streaming service Screenbox and on digital early next year. Um, featuring interviews with cast and crew, including genre icons such as Lynn Shea, Alex Vincent, Jennifer Tilly, franchise creator Don Mancini, and more, the documentary takes an in-depth look into the creation of this iconic series. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's quite a big write-up here, but um, poster looks cool. It's got like the scissors behind the the doll, except in this instance, the doll is Chucky. Um, Again, we need to get Screenbox here in the UK. I, I guess it must be a rights thing, but uh, oh man, they're getting some cool, sh some cool shit in America. So I've got a few more bits of news to get through. Gaming news now comes from Mike Wilson. Blood disgusting. Back for Blood gets River of Blood expansion this December. Uh, after the past August Children of the Worm expansion, Turtle Rock Studios are back at it with a third expansion for Back for Blood. Officially titled River of Blood, the upcoming expansion is scheduled to release on December 6th as part of the Back for Blood annual pass or via standalone purchase. Featuring a brand new story campaign with an enthralling five-map mission, River of Blood will have players travelling upriver, stopping at different points along the way to collect supplies and take on new enemy threats. Players will also be introduced to a new cleaner in Tala, a former cultist outlaw now turned cleaner who is accompanied by a ridden companion named Jeff, a friendly tall boy that can be summoned to assist the team. Jeff can be called upon by a whistle by Tala or other cleaners on her team. Uh, it will also include 8 exclusive character skins and 12 exclusive weapon skins along with new weapons, accessories and cards. Uh, I've never played um, Back for Blood. I know it's kind of a spiritual sequel successor to left for dead and i did enjoy those games to a degree but i mean even even back in the 360 days guys i've just never really been a huge multiplayer fan um left for dead i'd sometimes play with my friend uh jamie who's a co-host on ministry of dragons um you know kind of in between doing like uh modern warfare maybe modern warfare 2 i think modern warfare 3 i started sort of dropping out of playing call of duty games because you just get destroyed online. It was not fun unless you spent 20 hours a day playing it. Um, but yeah, those games were fun, but I just, I like a good narrative experience uh, with a focus story and uh, yeah, fun shooters, fun first person shooters. I imagine Back for Blood's fairly similar. I know it's on its release, there was uh, some negativity about how tidy it was. I guess it was a bit buggy maybe. Um, but yeah, if you, if you like Back for Blood, new expansion coming. Um, in the live chat, my name is Niall, said Living with Chucky, sounds good. Bruce Todd, Left for Dead, playing with the muckers on Steam back in the day was a blast. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was a fun game. Left for Dead 1 and 2 were, were really good. Both of them really good. Uh, next up, now this one doesn't surprise me. I was never really that interested in the character, to be honest. Um, comes from Megan Navarro, but disgusting. The Crooked Man spin-off is no longer happening per James Wan. The Conjuring universe continues to grow with The Nun 2 and The Conjuring 4 on the way, but there's one character no longer getting the spin-off treatment, The Crooked Man. Director James Wan took to Instagram recently to share throwback photos of his scene steer in The Conjuring 2, uh, played by Javier Baudet, uh, Botet. Uh, the behind-the-scenes images give a close look at Botet and character and the vibrant red hues of his pinstripe suit. 
Wan got ahead of the inevitable question with the news that a long-awaited spin-off for this character isn't happening, at least for the foreseeable future. Wan wrote in his post, and no, unfortunately, the spin-off movie with this character isn't happening, outside of my control, but maybe one day. The post came with a reminder that the Crooked Man was all botet and camera tricks. I filmed him in slow-mo and reverse playback, all old-school camera trickery. The Crooked Man sprung to life from a zoetrope and tormented the Hodgson family in The Conjuring 2. The character's striking silhouette and nightmarish twist to children's rhymes made it an easy standout for spin-off material. Um, so, I, t- I basically kind of found that when there was an announcement for The Crooked Man, I was like, oh, not that fussed, not that fussed. I always found the nun more interesting in Conjuring 2. The Crooked Man, I liked... I liked like the shadowy work, but when you actually saw him, I was like, eh. Eh, it bordered a bit too much on the silly. Um, I know The Conjuring, you know, they're loosely based on true stories, and the Enfield haunting, in my opinion, the true story was a hoax, as far as I'm aware. Um, that's caused some debates with a friend of mine, Lillian. I think my sister as well is also very much like, oh no, it's all real. I don't think so, um, personally. But obviously, you know, it's you could probably say the same thing about Amityville, um, you know, to a degree, if you want to look at it from a skeptic, skeptical view. But, uh, you know, the things that they added, obviously, the the, the Nun was uh, added for cinema effect, and obviously the Crooked Man, of course, was. Um, but yeah, I, I, I found when they announced like The Nun and The Crooked Man, The Nun had my interest a bit more. Um, I don't think The Nun's a great film, it's better on repeat viewing. When I first saw it in the cinema, as I may have mentioned on the show before, I was like, everything is black and grey. Everything is dark. And I get part of that is the scares and whatnot and things happening at night. But, I mean, come on. You have to have a little bit of a balance. Um, you have to be able to see what you're watching on screen. But it, it, it's all right, actually. The Nun is okay. My opinion has improved on repeat viewings. But, yeah, Crooked Man, you know, not that fast. Uh, I still think the best Conjuring films are the first one and... Annabelle Creation, the second Annabelle film, directed by the guy who did Lights Out. Didn't really like Annabelle Come Home, Comes Home. Don't know why, I found it a bit boring. Um, yeah. uh, but anyway, <laughs> Crooked Man's not happening for the time being. So a couple of bits of news le- left, and I think... Uh, um, Unexplained Possibilities host Mel mentioned this in the Discord. Long Legs, Nicolas Cage starring in horror movie from writer-director Osgood Perkins. Comes from John Squires by Disgusting. Nick- Nicolas Cage will continue hanging around the horror genre with Long Legs, described by Deadline as being in the vein of classic Hollywood psychological thrillers. Plot details are unknown at this time, but the script was written by Osgood Perkins, who did The Black Coat's Daughter and Gretel and Hansel, which gives this one serious credibility. I've not seen any of those films. Can't comment. Perkins will also be directing Nicolas Cage in Long Legs. CT- C2 Motion Picture Group is producing and financing the film. Don't really have much on it. <laughs> Don't really have too much, uh, too much else I can say on that. Uh, and then the last bit of news, kind of horror related, kind of video game related, more so. I would say actually it's it's horror related because the gore was pretty, pretty crazy in the games. First three are still the best. I've never finished four or five, although five seemed better than four. Four I thought was a bit crap. Netflix announces Gears of War film adaptation and an adult animated series. 
Uh, this comes from Mike Wilson, Blood Disgusting. Uh, in one of those is about time moments, Netflix has announced that they're teaming up with developer The Coalition to produce a feature film adaptation of Gears of War. Not only that, but the film will be followed by an adult animated series with the potential for more stories to follow. Netflix made the announcement via Twitter on the 16th anniversary of the Gears of War franchise, which started off on the Xbox 360 way back in 2006. The road to get Gears of War in film form has been a long one. Six years ago, the Coalition had reached a deal with Universal to produce a film adaptation of the series. Obviously, that deal with Universal never came to fruition. That was also after an attempt made in 2013 by producer Scott Stuber to get an adaptation going that also ended up fizzling out. The third time's the charm for the series, it seems. Netflix is obviously no stranger to handling video game adaptations, what with The Witcher series heading into its fourth season, minus Henry Cavill, which I would say... As far as I'm aware, the Witcher series is more of an adaptation of the books than the games. Or is it kind of a crossover of the both? I'm not too sure. I've still never finished series one of the Witcher. Couldn't really get into it as much as that disappointing as that was because I love the Witcher 3 game. Uh, the recent Cyberpunk Edge Runners anime, and of course the anticipated Bioshock film that's being directed by Francis Lawrence, who did I Am Legend and Constantine. So, I mean... Surely, if we're getting a Gears of War film, we have to have Dave Bautista as Marcus Fenix. Surely. Surely, it's got to happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued by that. Hopefully they keep keep it as violent as the games with a good story. Because the games have a good story. I mean, yeah, it's a bit of rinse and repeat with the gameplay of go in, take cover, shoot, get up close, stamp on the head or chainsaw them. But they're, they're fun. They're fun games. Like I said, I couldn't really get into the fourth one. I haven't played the spin-off either. I've got it, but I've not played it. And the fifth one I've got about halfway through, but I, it's just not held my attention, to be honest. So let's have a look at the chat before we move on. Uh, my name is not... Oh, remind me of the Babadook for some reason. Uh, Fran the Cannon, sorry, I, I missed this. I heard this week the team behind the Winnie the Pooh horror film, Blood and Honey, are doing Peter Pan next. I've not watched the trailer yet for Blood and Honey. I think it got released recently because the pictures, I just thought... Anyone can take a available property, a property that's in the public domain, and make a film with it. We've seen that with the Amityville films that still get made to this day. Amityville Karen, um, Amityville in Space, Amityville Werewolf. If you look at Amityville on Prime, there's a whole ton of them. Um, so when I see that they're going to do Peter Pan, I mean, I, I haven't watched uh, Blood and Honey, so I shouldn't pass too much judgment yet. It might be actually really good. But... Uh, from the looks of it, it's people in masks, killers in masks. And I guess they're doing that, and that's just not really a, a like a really bad prosthetic job. I don't know. Um, I, I have to wait and see, but my anticipation isn't high. I'll just put it that way. Um, Baby Ice, I thought they debunked that Amityville mess. I always hear mixed things. Baby Ice always hear mixed things. Uh, Bruce Todd, director of that Blood and Honey, is going to be at Aberdeen Horror Con next year. Never been to a con, but I shall be attending that once. It's near me and horror based. Horror cons are awesome, Bruce. I've only been to one, which was the uh, Birmingham Horror Con, where I met uh, the guy that was Leatherface in Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Part 3. Also, the woman in black from Insidious 2. The guy, who's the woman in black, was in full garb, and that looked incredible. Um, saw like a live podcast um, thing. I think it was like last podcast on the left, or whichever Br British one has a similar name to that. Really good. And there was going to be a London one, but I think it got cancelled because there was like a lot of financial issues with that company. So they haven't really done anything else. But um, yeah, definitely go to that. 
Um, my name's not Earl. I really liked Annabelle Come Home. Um, unexplained possibilities. Mel, hey Tez, hi all, love me some Chucky. Sadly, I can't stay if tarot readings are all lined up, but want to drop by and say hello. Much appreciated, Mel. Um, have a good uh, have a good one with the tarot readings, and uh, yeah, thanks for stopping by. Um, Bruce Todd, gears of chest high walls. <laughs> Baby eyes, Halo Resident Evil Blast. Stop making movies over video game properties. Um, Unexplained possibilities. Which series is closer to the books than the game, even though the game is after the books? Uh, okay. I didn't realize that the game was like a continuation as opposed to an adaptation. Uh, and once again, another Silent Hill film comes. Yeah, thankfully they're overlooking the second film. I just thought the first film was pretty good. Not great, I thought it was pretty good. The second film was absolutely shite. Um, but the overlooked game film is Detention. It's a great adaptation. Uh, I've heard of Detention. Didn't realize it was a game film uh bruce todd amateur villain to hood for the win winnie the purge uh lily curtis can't believe i just joined and you're dissing me believing in the enfield haunting hi lily um <laughs> uh keep your gears of war netflix where's my squid game season two baby eyes i've still not seen finished series one i am enjoying it but it's one of those shows where i will watch an episode and then just i i won't continue i won't binge it i think i think i'm just watching too many little horror shows you know kind of here and there at the moment um but yeah i mean we're all caught up there and that is the news so what's what's going to be my i can't i can never remember what my bloody re review music is i think this is my review music no actually that's my homework music uh i think this is my review music Bruce Todd uh, says, um, Squid Games is worth finishing. Yeah, I will get around to it. I will I will get around to it. Um, ooh, um, we are getting spammed. Please don't click on whatever that, uh, that chat link is. I think it's probably a virus or porn. Um, so our first review is Pearl. I finally got around to watching Pearl. Um... We didn't get a proper cinema release of this, which is a shame. It is a shame. But um, Pearl, if you didn't know, is a 2022 psychological slasher film directed by Ty West, co-written by West and Mia Goff, who reprises her role as the title character, featuring uh, David Corrin Sweat, uh, Tandy Wright, Matthew Sunderland, and Emma Perkins Pure in supporting roles. So this is a prequel to X, second installment of the franchise, and it was filmed concurrently i imagine that I, i'd imagine it would have been fucking crazy as an as an actor to follow if you were filming them like when you make a film you don't film it in order most of the time it would be i guess based on availability sets uh effects required all this all this stuff it's very rarely a film is filmed in order but i would imagine if they're filming pearl concurrently with x they must have finished one before moving on to the other because how you would jump between the i mean the settings the same setting as one location essentially barring a couple of moments but how you would jump from filming something based in the 70s to something based in um 1918 1918 fuck i didn't realize it was that early but yeah this is the origin story for the title villain whose fervent aspiration to become a movie star led to her committing violent acts on her family's texas homestead in 1918 um just seeing the chat so first off straight off the bat the aesthetics the music the fonts the transitions i loved 
how this film started. It really gave this feeling of if this was black and white with some film grain added, like film damage, you could you could pass it off as being a film from the early outset, from a very earlier time. It has that oldie timey Hollywood feel. It kind of almost feels like it was made in the forties or fifties, focusing on this time of nineteen eighteen. There's just this brightness to to the shots which sounds a bit of an obtuse way to put it but um this odd aesthetic that just makes it feel like oldie timey western hollywood um little house on the prairie you know maybe kind of um the 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 fonts had that feel of like an old western the transition between scenes like i say it really caught the tone brilliantly i i, I thought it was i thought it was great in that um and uh we, we get introduced to pearl who we saw as a very 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 old lady uh in x mia goff again is incredible in this i mean both her performances in x i thought were great um but yeah she is again brilliant in this. she's anchoring the whole film um we we find with her character obviously i won't go into spoiler territory but uh she's basically stuck on this farm with her overbearing german mother and i believe her father may also be of german origin i don't really think it's classified because he's in like a not quite less, i guess like a catatonic state he's got like a disability so he can't his he can move his eyes and maybe make a sound but he can't really interact or, or speak or anything so not too not too sure i believe they might both be german uh, german immigrants and there's also this uh pandemic going around i i don't know my history um so i couldn't i couldn't say you know which influenza or whatever not sure um but she's essentially feeling stuck on this farm she feels like she is made for something bigger that there's a, a bigger world out there for her than than here and she wants to go out there and explore it but there's moments when you kind of realize that she's not quite normal She's maybe not as in intricately all there. There's a scene where she <laughs> dances, then makes out with a scarecrow before she chastises the scarecrow because she's a married woman. She she's married. Her husband's uh, off fighting in the war. Um, but there's moments where you're not entirely sure about his status with some of the things that she says. Uh, certainly later on in the film, uh, we get clarification. <laughs> Um, she <laughs> kills a poor goose quite early on for no real reason. Um, and as the film kind of continues, we're, we're realizing that, yeah, she's quite disturbed. There's, she, she cares for her father, but then also plays around with him, like moments where she just starts kind of choking him to see how he'll react uh almost almost taunting him because she's got her pet alligator or crocodile i don't know the difference never have done um but uh there's moments where she's feeding things to these uh this 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 alligator her baby um and yeah it's kind of a descent into i wouldn't necessarily say a descent into madness she kind of already seems a bit mad but it's a pretty gory film it's a tight hour and 40 
Uh, and yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's got some good moments of gore, but it's also play, done quite playfully in a way. Uh, the only real moment of kind of, I suppose, horror and and uh, tension would be near the end. There's a bit of a monologue from her character followed by quite a creepy chase scene. But there's also a moment when she's talking with another male character and um, she kind of has this change where she, well, she notices a change in the man's demeanor and his behavior, which then makes her quite angry. She's wondering why has he gone cold on her? What, why is he scared of her? And he hasn't done or said anything, but you, you, you know, you can kind of tell. I think we've all been in that situation where we've seen something in someone that we didn't see before and we start thinking oh okay i should probably get going i should probably move along here you're not necessarily going to think that things may turn violent um but she she plays it brilliantly she's yeah you can definitely feel this uh craziness that's all i can kind of say without being without being disparaging to her uh, to any exes uh anyway I enjoyed this. Would I say it was as good as X? No. no. It's not a bad film at all. It is really good, but I thought X was was great. Um, this, I think, is a solid 7 out of 10. It is good. It's it, it works nicely as a prequel. You get an introduction to kind of who this character is, along with the inst uh, un unstableness of, of her. And, um, yeah, it's got some nice kills. It looks brilliant. And the music is incredible, and as as it's been said in the chat, um, you know the, the music numbers are great. They're great. Um, Baby Ice gives it seven point five. Um, her mother knew what was up. Bruce Todd says it was influenza in the film. Uh, my name's Noel. The extraordinary origin story. Haha! -ha, see what they did there. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, and Baby Ice took place during World War One. No, oh uh, yeah, pre I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure you're correct there. Black like say my history is awful. Don't know. Uh, that's the only review we've got for tonight's show because I haven't really watched much other horror. I did start watching Uma earlier on, but um, time was time was getting away from me, so I thought I'm not going to be able to finish this in time as prep for the show. Do other little bits and bobs, but we will look at the homework. So suggested last week because I had no, no suggestions for homework. Um, my name is Noel. Suggested the original 1982 Slumber Party Massacre. So I've seen the remake, and I then watched uh, watched this. So I'll kind of give a review as well, I guess, because it was my first time watching this. But uh, this is the opportunity for the chat to advise if they did their homework and what they thought of the film. Um, so, chat. Oh, yeah, I haven't done my homework music. There you go. That's the homework music. So, Slumber Party Massacre. Have I got the details up here? I can talk through that while people are formulating their thoughts and their reviews on it. So, the Slumber Party Massacre, also known as the Slumber Party Murders in the United Kingdom, I didn't know that, is a 1982 American slasher film directed by Amy Holden Jones and written by Rita Mae Brown. It's the first installment in the Slumber Party Massacre trilogy and stars Michelle Michaels, Robin Stile, and Michael Viella. Uh, the film follows a high school senior who gathers her friends for a slumber party, unaware that an escaped power drill-wielding killer is loose in the neighbourhood. The film was originally written by Brown as a parody of the slasher genre, but was shot as a straightforward horror film instead. 
As a result, it contains more humour, both intended and unintended, than usual for the genre at the time. Uh, it grossed 3.6 million at the box office on a budget of 220k and received mixed reviews from critics. Despite the reception, it obtained a large cult following since its release. Two sequels, Slum Party Massacre 2 and Slum Party Massacre 3, followed in 87 and 1990, respectively, with a reboot in 2021. Um, Bruce Todd didn't watch as homework, but it's a classic schlocker worth a watch. Uh, the Graph, Slum Party Massacre, was an old-school 80s slasher film. Reminds me a lot of the first-ever horror films I watched as a kid. 80s setting, teenagers, smoking weed, and nudity. Baby, I see anything this film was missing was a lesbian steen. <laughs> it still titillated the juices. <laughs> Sound like you're part of the uh, franchise's uh, maximum male models there, baby. I titillating the juices. Um, the Gruff, 6.5 for me. Uh, reminds me of being a kid and watching horror. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Fran the Can, the chat, multiple final girls made it through this one. Old school, dumb teens and gory kills. Yeah, it's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. I I think uh, either, either Bruce Todd or Matt White has said, uh, don't bother with the sequels. They're an abomination. Um, but I, I think I'll agree with the general consensus. The chat, 6.5 seems uh oh a baby i says i love the sequel more lol franican also 6.5 graph 6.5 um but yeah baby i says i love the sequel more uh, is that two or three or both uh, i don't think we've got part three on any streaming services here in the uk i know part two is also on prime so we might we might do that on a future watch party um but yeah i think 6.5 is fair I think it's fair. It's It's got its moments, for sure. So, your homework. Your homework. For the coming week. I was having a little look earlier on on what's on Prime, Shudder, to try and give a basis, because I want to try and make a film that's fairly accessible to, to find for homework. And I noticed that, again, Freevee, which used to be IMDb TV, it's getting quite a few horrors on there. Unfortunately, we won't be able to watch them on watch parties because watch parties are only what's on Prime. Bit of a shame. But generally, for a free streaming service, they've got some cool stuff on there. And one of them, I remember thinking was brilliant back in the day. And I still think it is really good. I've not seen it for a few years. Some of the effects may have aged a bit. But your homework, if you haven't seen it already, is the... Uh, where's the details? The uh, 2000 Canadian supernatural horror film Ginger Snaps, starring Emily Perkins and Catherine Isabel. Um, Catherine Isabel is uh, in this film. Um, this is a... It's basically, it's basically a werewolf film, but it's not just about that. It's also talking about um, puberty, the changes that a woman goes through. Um, kind of also being likened to the changes of the moon after a werewolf bite attack. Um, and we see that change in Ginger, played by Catherine Isabel. I think this film is excellent. Um, I really do enjoy it. And the sequel. There's two sequels. Well, one's a prequel. I don't really think much of the prequel, I'll be honest. I know it was filmed back-to-back -back with the sequel. And it's one of those things where I only discovered the sequels much later. I remember seeing this as with a lot of my films in my youth growing up on the Sci-Fi channel. 
Um, and I, I, I did see much later on that there was a Ginger Snaps 2 and 3, and I bought them on DVD. Ginger Snaps 2, I thought was fine. I didn't think it was obviously as good as the first film, but I remember the ending being pretty powerful. It was a pretty shocking ending. So if you've not seen Ginger Snaps 2, if you've not seen Ginger Snaps, obviously watch it. But if you have and you haven't seen Ginger Snaps 2 Unleashed, I'd recommend give it a watch. I recommend giving it a watch. Um, it's decent. And the ending, like I say, very powerful ending, I thought. Um, so let's see what's uh, being said in the chat. So Bruce Todd, not seen Ginger Snap in years. Uh, the Graf, great film, Ginger Snaps, lots of fun. My name is not Earl. I've always been meaning to watch Ginger Snaps. Perfect opportunity now. Uh, Bruce Todd says, give it a watch. Baby, I just saw this long ago. Uh-oh, I'll watch again. Lol, I wasn't a fan of this, but I'll give it a rewatch. You'll do your homework, baby. I see you're not getting attention. Or you will get attention if you don't do it. Um, but yeah, Ginger Snaps, a lot, lot of fun, a lot of fun. And yeah, it's on Freevee. Like I say, Freevee, I still need to watch um needful things is on my freebie watch list um let me just i'm i'm very bad doing this uh live on air apologies podcast listeners uh but i i tend to think with a stream of consciousness and uh just just kind of roll with it otherwise i will forget uh oh the it's documentary is available to rent or buy for three pound 49 i think i may do that i i did want to watch that but i don't have obviously screen box because why would we get cool stuff in the UK? Um, but yeah, if I go free V, and then do they have the horror films? Funnily enough, um, one of the films that I watched during my 31 days of Halloween was The Houses That October Built, which is a found footage film about terror houses. And as the film goes through, it mentions about um, Blue Skeleton. And it reminded me, there's a film on freebie called blue skeleton and one of the masks i remember on the poster looking like one of the masks in the film it was only then that i did a wikipedia and that is a sequel to the house's october built apparently it's terrible um <laughs> um but that's worth a watch so yeah i mean freebie horror films they've now got scare us which i reviewed a few weeks back so if you didn't watch it the anthology film about a book club scare us is on freebie um in the uk feast I remember hearing about Feast quite a while ago. Never saw it. I think that's got Jason Muse in it. Jay and Silent Bob. Um, yeah, the Houses of Halloween. That's the Houses October built. It's just got a different title. So that's on here. Leprechaun Fort, May. Oh, I'm going to have to add this to my watch list. Um, and I had to tell Lawrence about this in case he hasn't watched it. But John Carpenter presents Vampires Los Muertos, starring Bon John Bovine. That is on, on freebie. Ginger Snaps 2 is on freebie. Uh, quarantine seed of oh, seed of Chucky that can fuck off. Uh, Pagnani horror, which sounds like something I should have seen, but I haven't. Um, what else? Ginger Snaps three. Yeah, I can forget about that one. I didn't think that was that good. Uh, Stakeland worth a watch. Funhouse massacre. We'll we'll move on from this because I will get distracted. As anyone who's watched my watch parties knows, I will end up getting distracted looking for a film. Uh, yeah, Cube Cabin Fever. Christine is on free V. They got like it's. I mean, for a free service. Oh, Starry Eyes. That's that's got that's pretty damn good. That's on there. Loads of cool stuff. Um, right. I'm gonna have to move on from here, otherwise we'll just be on here all day. Uh, da, 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 da. Amateur 2 Possession, The Taken. Anyway, moving on. Moving on. So, let's have a quick look at the chat before we move forward. Um, anyone else's chat frozen or just mine? 
Um, oh, yeah, I don't know what that is about. Let me see if I can refresh it. I know we were having an issue with that. Uh, refresh. Can I refresh it? Don't know what that does. Well, I've refreshed it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, the one on the screen, uh, yeah, sorry about that. So if you're listening to the audio, we have a chat on the live screen. So if you if you do decide to ever watch live on, on YouTube, I have visual aids, and you can also join in the live chat, which also appears on screen, but it has uh, frozen, apparently. Apologies for that. Uh, let's have a look on the, what else is going on in the chat. I'm waiting for the screen. One's got absolutely mental, Bruce Dodd says. Uh, baby, I says your chat on stream is way behind sorry guys <laughs> i literally have just been looking at films on freebie um they had submission sunday show Fran can frozen adam green movie really good test oh okay so the test doesn't seem to be working i'll just hit refresh again don't know don't know I'll, I'll talk to i'll talk to lawrence and see what's uh what's guanin with the live chat but apologies about that anyway your homework is ginger snaps so we're now going to move on to our featured presentation we we're talking this evening about the chucky or child's play franchise um, I kind of decided to talk about this because season two is, is in full swing of Chucky. Um, yeah, sorry guys. I don't know what is going on with the chat. It seemed to be all right for a good chunk of the, the show, but then, uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't even know why it's doing that late, man. Um, let me just see if I can do anything with. And that's a URL. Oh, yeah, I don't know any of this other stuff. Um, yeah, I'll just leave that as is. I will just leave that as is. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, Chucky, Child's Play, is an American horror slasher media franchise created by Don Mancini. The films mainly focus on Chucky, voiced by Brad Dourif in the original films and television series, and Mark Hamill in the reboot, with Brad Dourif partially voicing the character in the reboot. A notorious serial killer who frequently escapes death by performing a voodoo ritual to transfer his soul into a good guy doll. The original film, Child's Play, was released on November 9th, 1988, and it's formed... Uh, spawned six sequels, a television series, remake, comic books, video game, and time merchandise. Um, the first, second, and fourth films box office successes, with all the films earning over 182 million worldwide, um, including revenue from sales of videos, DVDs, VOD, and merchandise. The franchise has generated over 250 million worldwide. It's it's a big time franchise. So let's just start off with the first film. So all the way back in 1988, directed by Tom Holland, who, did he not do Fright Night? Oh, he did Fright Night, didn't he? Yeah, he did Fright Night. He did uh, The Langolias, which I've never seen. Uh, Thinner, which I don't really think was that good. And uh, Psycho 2. Yeah, he wrote uh, Psycho 2, which is pretty, actually, pretty good, actually. The Psycho sequels are pretty good. Um... 
So this was released November 9th, 1988 by MGM UA Communications, grossed $44 million against a production budget of $9 million, starring Catherine Hicks and Chris Sarandon, who's also in uh, Fright Night. Um, and, uh, yeah, story by Don Mancini. So this film introduced us to Chucky, or Charles Lee Ray, played by Brad Dourif, who's a, uh, a serial killer. Who knows voodoo, funnily enough, and after he's been chased into a good guy's doll um, factory, transfers his soul into one of these dolls. And it's one of these dolls which is unfortunately picked up by Catherine Hicks's Karen Barkley, who wants to get a toy for her son, who's a bit of a lonely kid, really, in, in their apartment. And um, this is the hot new toy that's not, you know available now. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. I mean... Back when I was a kid in the 90s, um, and then obviously this is set in the 80s, when you're a kid, you'd see adverts for these toys, and there'd be cartoons, TV shows that would also get you hyped up, and you'd want the toys. So, film, you know, toys from films like Jurassic Park and stuff, you'd want to get the toys. Is that still a thing these days? It seems like toys are more legacy toys that adults kind of get reminding of their childhood. I don't know if there's cool new toys of things anymore but the good guy doll is kind of everywhere and it's the toy that uh that andy plays by alex vincent wants unfortunately the one that he gets has been uh possessed by charlie Re charles lee ray so this is a pretty violent film the animatronics in this i think are excellent excellent um and they've always been in all the films really just the the mannerisms i mean just the facial expressions also work really well with the voice um Development of this film, according to an interview with Mental Floss, screenwriter Don Mancini first conceived of the concept while studying as a film major at the University of California. Mancini was inspired by the consumerism of the 1980s with the effects of marketing on children based on his experiences with his father, an advertising executive. Mancini's troubled relationship with his own father and his experiences of alienation as a gay man caused him to centre the script around a child with a single mother and no father figure. He was also influenced by the Cabbage Patch Kids, Trilogy of Terror, Magic, Poltergeist, the character of Freddy Krueger from A Nightmare on Elm Street, and the Twilight Zone episode, Living Doll. The film's executive producer, David Kirshner, who would produce all seven films in the Chucky series, claimed in the same interview that he had wanted to make a film about a killer doll after reading The Dollhouse Murders. The director, Tom Holland, also affirmed that the My Buddy dolls played a role in Chucky's design. Um, the original script was titled Batteries Not Included, with the title later changed to Blood Buddy after it was discovered that a different film with the same name was being made. Um, during production, it was nearly retitled again in order to avoid confusion with Sidney Lumet's 1972 horror film of the same name. It would have featured a doll filled with fake blood that would allow it to bleed if played with roughly, and it would have come alive after Andy mixed his own blood with the dolls. The doll would have represented Andy's suppressed rage and would have targeted his enemies. Mancini's original script would have been a whodunit story which dealt with the effect of advertising and television on children. Mancini's original script was also written to toy with the audience a bit longer, making it ambiguous whether Andy or Chucky was the killer. I'm glad we didn't go with that. I don't really like ambiguous uh, stuff because when it... Uh, essentially, if it all turns out like, oh, it wasn't the cool supernatural thing, it was the person, it was all in their head. I just don't like that. Uh, Charles Band, who we know from the um, retro reviews we used to do, Full Moon Pictures, expressed interest in filming the script and later produced the Puppet Master franchise. The script was accepted by United Artists after studio president Tony 
Thomopoulos and MGM UA Communications Chairman Lee Rich realized that it could be begin a long-running series. After UA purchased the script, it was rewritten by John Lafayette to make the character of Andy more sympathetic, and after Kersher expressed doubt that parents would buy their children a doll with fake blood. In Lafayette's rewritten script, Charles Lee Ray's soul would have been transferred to the doll after being executed by electric chair as it was being manufactured on an assembly line. The script featured the doll factory where Chucky was produced as a location, which would be recycled for the second film. So let's have a look at what we got in the chat. Um, Bruce uh, Bruce Todd. Ah, Child's Play. Brad Dereef's Legacy. Baby I remember Child's Play 1 in the theatres. Good times. Uh, Bruce Todd now reminds me I don't have Child's Play on VHS. Time to fix that. Ooh, yeah, get it for the collection. The Gruff Langolias is a good idea, but the effects are bloody awful. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's based on the Stephen King book or it might be a uh, richard backman story i think the langolias and another one were the same story i don't know insomnia and something else desperation i think a, i get very confused with some of the backman stories i've never read them but i'm pretty sure langolias might be a stephen king writing as richard backman uh tom holland not spider-man uh my name is Niall. the graphotos prime was the big toy when i was a kid i finally got it then sold it years later idiot oh, we've all been there Brand the cam kids don't have the Argos catalog to flick through for Christmas ideas. Nah, let's just go on Amazon, I guess. Baby, us kids want PlayStations and VR nowadays, uh, but more Fortnite. <laughs> My name is not oh, Mancini. Wasn't crazy about the voodoo stuff I heard. Uh, Found the can Chuck Chucky and Liv Morgan v the Bunny and Blade from Puppet Master. I'd watch that. That'd be cool. That would be cool um so let's just look a bit further on so duh, 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 duh. william friedkin ivan kirschner robert wise joseph rubin howard franklin and uh, rocky morton annabelle jenkin were approached to direct before holland was hired on steven spielberg's recommendation from his work on amazing stories john lithgow was considered to play charles lee ray before brad Dorif was hired in the role after holland worked with him in fatal beauty initially the voice of chucky's doll form was intended to be a simple electronic overlay similar to ordinary toys with sound chips when this was deemed infeasible and when Dorif was initially unavailable to record chucky's voice because of his involvement in spontaneous combustion holland cast jessica walter to voice chucky on the basis that mercedes mccambridge had voiced pazuzu in the exorcist later walter's recordings were discarded and she was replaced but with john franklin who completed his lines um who completed his lines was also replaced when Dorif returned to the film Unlike Walter, part of Franklin's performance remains in the film through a scene in which he appears as a human television presenter dressed as a good guy doll. Uh, a scene which was shot after his replacement. Hmm. So, 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 so. The film originally on its test screenings got uh, some negative reviews from a two-hour rough cut. Um, they were subsequently cut 25 minutes of the film to reduce the amount of time Chucky was on screen, something Kirsten had advocated for during production to build suspense in a similar fashion to Jaws or Alien. Holland, who had repeatedly clashed with Kirsten over Chucky's amount of time on screen and the film's tone during shooting, objected to the cuts and left production. The three have also suggested the test screening flopped due to their use of Walters as the doll's voice. They claimed that while Walters' voice was suitably menacing, she was unable to convey the humour intended for the character, and all of her lines were redubbed with Doris' voice. The cut footage shown only in production stills and the film script would have featured Charles Lee Ray stalking a drunk woman as a human, only to discover it to be Mike Norris on an undercover sting operation. 
And he's showing Chucky around his room and finding a photograph of his deceased father. John healing an infant through a voodoo ritual, and Chucky unsuccessfully trying to break into Andy's room at the mental hospital and tricking a mentally ill girl named Mona into carrying him into the ward. The script also featured an alternate ending which Chucky is stabbed by Andy with a knife mounted on a radio-controlled car and his face and legs mounted with a squirt gun filled with Drano in addition to being lit on fire and shot repeatedly by Mike and Karen. Chucky would have been seemingly killed by being overpowered by Jack and several police officers. While storing Chucky's remains in an evidence room, another cop would have disbelieved Jack's assertion that the doll was alive, and after they left, Chucky's disembodied arm would have come to life to swat a fly. There we go. It's Child's Play 1. It's Child's Play 1, and of course, with its success, led to a sequel. Now, there is some controversy before we move on to this first uh, the first sequel. During the initial release, a large crowd of protesters formed at the main entrance of MGM calling for a ban on the film because they claimed it would incite violence in children. Local news reporters from two TV stations were broadcasting live from the scene. The producer, David Kirshner, was watching the demonstration on TV and was disturbed. Jeffrey Hilton, who had been working in Kirshner's office at MGM, indicated that he could quell the uh, disturbance in 10 minutes. While Kirshner was watching from the safety of his office, Hilton spoke to the group's leader and shook his hand. The group instantly dispersed, much to the chagrin of the newscasters. Hilton did not reveal to Kirshner whether it had been a threat or simple diplomacy that saved the day. Uh, Hilton's diplomacy notwithstanding, the film series was plagued with accusations of inciting violence in children. And that talks about a film, one of the sequels, and we'll, we'll, we'll cover that when we get onto that shortly. But, coming in uh, 1990... Child's Play 2, which I will probably say is actually my favourite of the franchise. I had the box set a little while ago. It was really cheap uh, for the films on, on Amazon. It was like £25 or £30 for the Blu-ray of uh, of all the films. Typically after I watched them and I was like, it's not my favourite franchise. I sold them. Then wanted to get them back years later and more recently they're now like 50, 60 quid on Amazon. Um, I will again do uh do a online check <laughs> just uh now uh chucky box set blu-ray well they've got two different ones but they both look exactly the same uh 34 pounds or 63 pounds i mean 34 pounds not terrible uh for seven films it's just a shame that the majority of the films aren't that good, <laughs> as in the later films, as in the later films. Um, but this is a 1990 film directed by John Lafia, uh, written by Don Mancini, one of the co-writers of the first film. Um, oh, John Lafia was one of the co-writers of the first film, sorry. Second installment of the franchise and set two years after the first film. The plot follows Charles Lee Ray uh, as Chucky, continuing his pursuit for Andy Barclay, who was placed in foster care um and transferring his soul into him after being resurrected alex vincent and brad are reprised their roles while christine elise jennifer agutta garrett graham and grace zabritsky joined the cast uh, it was released uh, november 9th 1990 exactly two years after the first film was released grossed 35 million on a budget of 13 million um, a sequel followed nine months later so yeah this film Andy's now eight, is in foster care ever since the, the murders, his mother having been institutionalised for backing up Andy's story about the killer doll. 
Uh, he goes to live with the foster parents, Phil and Joanne Simpson, who are also fostering Kyle, a cynical street smart, smart teenage girl. Um, Chuck discovers Andy's whereabouts by using Matson's car phone to call Grace Poole, the manager of Andy's foster centre, before suffocating Matson with a plastic bag. So on and so forth. And this does feature in the end what w- probably the best finale, I think, for for my money out of the Charles Play franchise. Um, although the, the third finale is actually quite good going through the production factory and there's some real good moments of dread in that um but this like i say this is probably my favorite film out of the franchise and i wasn't anticipating it uh, the first film i'd seen was i think similar for a lot of people bride of chucky it came out around the time when i was in entering my teens and it just seemed cool oh, it's a killer doll and it's got jennifer tilly in it who's stunning of course i'm gonna watch it um but then i retrospectively went back i think i saw the third film after that first then saw the first one then saw the second one you know i watched them in a really out of whack order uh but yeah united artists purchased the script to the original child's play partially because uh president uh believed that it had potential for multiple sequels as we discussed the sequel was in pre-production and was set to begin filming on october 15th 1989 when ua president richard berger told producer david kersher that the film was put on hold as the studio was about to be acquired by the australian group quintex whose director christopher scase intended to ban the studio from producing horror films fuck that guy right um Paramount Pictures, Warner Bros, Columbia Pictures, 20th Century Fox, The Price Company, Carolco, New Line Cinema, Walt Disney Studios, and Universal Pictures expressed interest in picking up the film rights to the series and sequel, with Universal winning the rights bid after Steven Spielberg assisted Universal's Sid Scheinberg in convincing Kersher to accept it. Originally, the film was intended to open with a courtroom scene of a jury sentencing Karen Barkley to a mental institution for insisting that Chucky was alive, and both Catherine Hicks and Chris Sarandon were intended to reprise their roles as Karen and Detective Mike Norris from the first film. However, their scenes were cut from the script because of budgetary constraints, and as a result of their omission from the film, uh, the, the film is much shorter than the other installments in the series. The courtroom scene would be recycled as the ending of Curse of Chucky in 2013. Uh, it also would have contained the scene where Chucky's remains were held in a police evidence locker alongside Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers' masks, an idea which came to be reused in Bride of Chucky in 1998. It's um, kind of the main things, really, then, to, to discuss on uh, discuss on it. But let's have a look at what, uh, what the live chat are saying. Uh, my name is Niall. Charles Play 2, Chucky's best look and Chucky's best movie. Yeah, I'd agree. I would agree there. Bruce Todd, I'd agree with that also. Yeah, good. Uh, the Gruff, this is my favourite from the franchise too. Unfortunately, in the UK at least, it will always be tied with the James Bodger tragedy. Got a lot of negative attention because of it. Um, I, To my knowledge, uh, The Gruff, that was part three. Um, I imagine that they're all kind of associated, but to my knowledge, it was, it was, uh, it was part three that, um, for whatever reason, had that, that, had that attention. But we'll We'll look at that shortly, because um, nothing's noted on here about the notoriety around that. Uh, Baby, so I won't budge. Part one's The Goat. Found the canon. I prefer two over one marginally. Both great films. Both great films. Probably the high point, really, of the franchise, the, the first two. But yeah, 13 million budget. Went on to make 35.8 million. And then this was followed by Child's Play 3. Now, I do quite like Child's Play 3 to a degree. I do think it lulls. It's only a 90-minute film, but it does it does lull a bit 
I find partway through. Um, and there's a few stylistic choices which. <laughs> it's a 1991 American slash film, third installment in the Charles Play film series. It was written by Don Mancini, directed by Jack Bender. Brad Dourif once again reprised his role as Chucky from the previous films, with new cast members including Justin Whalen uh, taking over the role of Andy Barclay, Perry Reeves, and Jeremy Slivers. Although released only nine months after Charles Play 2, the story takes place eight years following the events of that film, and one month before the events of Bride of Chucky, which was made seven years later. It was executive produced by David Kirshner, who produced the first two Child's Play films. Uh, it was released uh, August 30th, 91, in the United States by Universal Pictures, receiving generally negative reviews from critics and disappointed at the box office, where it grossed only $20.5 million worldwide against a budget of $13 million. Um, the film became notorious in the United Kingdom when it was suggested it might have inspired the real-life murders of British children James Bulger and Suzanne Capper, suggestions rejected by officers investigating both cases. Who's Suzanne Capper? Oh, God. Yeah. I have heard about that case. Absolutely awful. I mean, obviously both, you know, the the James Bulger case as well. Suzanne Kappa, I think, has the, isn't as known um, about. But they're both just incredibly tragic and evil parts of uh, UK history, you know. Um, Baby Ice, I'm confused too. James Whiteley Bulger, the mobster. No, no, no. Um... James Bulger was, a, I think, a three-year-old boy that was murdered by two other boys. And through panic, the media will often get blamed in these things. You know, when it came to Columbine, I believe, there was music was blamed as an influence. And there was allegations that Child's Play 3 was being imitated. No, no scenes in particular occur, but um, we'll get down to that shortly but i think it was one of those things where one of the the stepfather of one of the, the murderers apparently had a bunch of horror films this being one of them the allegation was the kids may have watched this and wanted to repeat it there's no basis to my uh to my knowledge for for that um but yeah let's just have a look at all the chats saying uh the graph i thought it was one uh, i thought one of the murderers said they saw the second film around that time maybe i'm getting confused uh bruce todd also the james bulger connection is unproven uh my name's now charles play three is the only movie in the franchise i can't remember a thing about uh it's at the military base or the um student military base um gruff same i think the three is kind of meh i'm confused oh yeah talk about that baby eyes um uh, Fran the Can, Justin Whalen went on to play Jimmy Olsen and Lewis and uh, Clark. Yeah, that, that was through me when I watched this because I I did used to watch um, Superman, Lewis and Clark, the Superman Adventures, Lewis and Clark series. And yeah, he was Jimmy Olsen in that. So I was thinking, why is he now playing Andy Barkley? I think he was in a Dungeons and Dragons film as well. I, as far as I know, he's, he's a teacher now retired um but yeah so it's eight years after chucky's second demise the play pals company resumes manufacturing good guy dolls and reopens the abandoned factory a splash of blood from chucky's corpse is inadvertently mixed in with the plastic being used to produce the dolls reviving him in a new body there's always got to be a way to bring them back of course and the child's play films always uh 
had some way to bring him back. Uh, Chucky is given to PayPal CEO Mr. Sullivan. Chucky strangles him to death and uses computer records to locate Andy Barkley. Now 16, Andy has been sent to Kent Military School after he failed to cope in several foster homes. Colonel Cochran, the school's commandant, advises Andy to forget his fantasies about the doll. Andy befriends cadets Harold Aubrey Whitehurst, Ronald Tyler, an eight-year-old cadet, and Kristen De Silva, for whom he develops romantic feelings. He also meets Brett C. Shelton, a sadistic lieutenant colonel who routinely bullies the cadets. Um, yeah, the main thing I remember about this film is there's a moment with... Um, uh, doesn't I think Chucky replaces the live uh, the fake rounds, the blank rounds with live rounds, and also uses like a live grenade? Because I'm sure one of the characters jumps on the grenade to save another character. I think from memory, I can't really remember. It's all right; it's just a bit forgettable. The end scene, I think they go to a haunted house themed roller coaster at a nearby carnival. That was pretty good. That's pretty good, but other than that, uh, Universal Studios had uh, Don Mancini begin writing the third story for the series before Child's Play 2 was released, causing pressure to him to draft a storyline on such a tight schedule. The film was formally greenlit after the successful release of its predecessor, with the release date nine months away, which is, that's just crazy. Uh, when production companies kind of realise that making a film released within a year of a prior film, is it's always going to be poor. Uh, Mancini initially wanted to introduce the concept of multiple Chuckies in the movie, but due to budget constraints, the idea was eventually scrapped. Mancini later used this concept for the 2017 sequel, Cult of Chucky. It was also intended to open with a scene of a security guard portrayed by John Ritter frightening off a group of trespassing children at the Good Guys factory by telling them scary stories about Chucky. After Mancini decided to make Andy Barkley 16 years old, he considered recasting the role with Jonathan Brandis before hiring Justin Whalen. Before Jack Bender became director, Mancini wanted to hire Peter Jackson. Hmm. That'd have been interesting. So yeah, we'll we'll talk... We'll talk about the thing mentioned in the chat. Uh, the James Bulger murder, a suggested link with the film, was made after the tragic murder of James Bulger. The killers, who were 10 years old at the time, uh, were said to have imitated a scene in which one of Chucky's victims is splashed with blue paint. Although these allegations against the film have never been proven, the case led to some new legislation for video films. Psychologist Guy Cumberbatch stated that the link with the video was that the father of one of the boys um, had rented Child's Play 3 some months earlier. However, the police officer who directed the investigation, Albert Kirby, found that the son, John, was not living with his father at the time and was unlikely to have seen the film. Moreover, the boy disliked horror films, a point later confirmed by psychiatric reports. Thus, the police investigation, which specifically looked for a video link, concluded that there was none. Despite this, the film remained controversial in Europe, with both Sky Television in the United Kingdom and Canal Plus in Spain refusing to broadcast the film as regular programming. Ooh, there we go. So yeah, it's it's got that horrible kind of taint to it of, of the unfounded uh association but once the so once you know a, a claim has been made it kind of it does kind of stink it will stick the stink sticks basically um it's not a great film it's not terrible though it's just it's a bit it's a bit bit of a nothing one but because of its poor reaction we had uh we had a bit of a break Mancini would not make another entry into the Chucky series until seven years later 
which is when we received in 1998 Bride of Chucky. American slash film written by Don Mancini and directed by Ronnie Yu. What, what else has Ronnie Yu done? Oh, Freddy vs. Jason, of course. The fourth installment in the Child's Play franchise stars Jennifer Tilly, Brad Dourif, John Ritter, Catherine Heigl, and Nick Stable. Unlike the first three films, Bride of Chucky takes a markedly humorous turn towards self-referential parody. It also departs from the Andy Barclay storyline in the first three films, focusing mainly on series villain Chucky, a doll possessed by serial killer, and his former lover and accomplice Tiffany, whose soul is also transferred into a doll. Uh, it grossed $50 million worldwide on a budget of $25 million, um, and it got mixed reviews from critics. So yeah, we do see some of the things that have previously been mentioned as fans for prior films, such as... Uh, is Michael Myers masks in this? I know Freddy. Uh, I know Jason's. Jason's mask is, and Freddy's glove. I th- think is. Da, 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 da. Um. Hmm. Doesn't mention anywhere about the sight gags, but I'm sure. I'm sure in the opening of the film we see, we see a number of uh, horror related iconography just doesn't specifically say and i haven't seen the film for quite a long time uh now one of the things that uh, wrestling fans of the network may know chucky about was because to promote this film chucky made an appearance on the october 12th 1998 episode of wcw monday nitro as a heel he interrupted a promo between gene oakland and rick steiner and in addition to asking viewers to watch the film mentioned that he was hoping for scott steiner to win an upcoming match between the brothers uh interesting bit of promotion there <laughs> but yeah this uh, tiffany valentine's a former lover and accomplice of serial killer charles lee ray bribes a police officer into giving her the dismembered parts of a children's doll which ray's soul inhabited from an evidence locker room before murdering him believing that ray's soul still inhabits the doll tiffany stitches and staples chucky back together and reenacts the voodoo ritual which instilled ray's soul into the doll 10 years prior um, though her incantation appears to fail, Chucky comes alive and smothers Tiffany's goth admirer Damien to death with a pillow as Tiffany watches in excitement. Tiffany presents Chucky with a ring he had left behind the night when he was killed, which she believed to be an engagement ring. When Chucky explains he never intended on marrying Tiffany, she locks him in a playpen and torts him with a bride doll. Chucky escapes the playpen and murders Tiffany by electrocuting her in a bathtub. It's a fun film. This is a fun film. The The main kill, there's a couple of kills that this film reminds me. Always, I, I remember this film for. There's that uh, sex room that has the mirror on the ceiling, something I'd never seen before in a film at that age, and I always thought, it's an interesting concept. Uh, and also, doesn't someone get run over on a motorway? They step out, they, they escape from a van, or they jump out of a van and get smushed by a truck. Great. This has good comedy in it. Um, and uh, just some great performances. It's a fun film. I didn't realise Alexis Arquette was the uh, played uh, played Damien, the uh, goth admirer. Oh, there you go. So yeah, it's got a good cast, good performances. Um, after the release of Child's Play 3, Don Mancini and David Kirshner decided the series required a new direction and decided against returning the character of Andy Barclay. Work on the film began in 1996 with the working title Child's Play 4 Bride of Chucky, inspired by the release of Scream. 
Mancini said, like most genres, the horror genre goes in cycles, and I think we can thank Kevin Williamson and Scream for reinvigorating the market. Over the years, I'd been imagining new scenarios for the series. With his previous successes, we knew it was just a matter of time before we'd be bringing Chucky back, and David Kirshner and I both felt that it was important to bring him back in a new way. We wanted to elevate the series and reinvent it, go beyond what we'd done before, and what we've ended up with is incredibly part humour, part comedy, part romance, and part road movie really cool blend of the genuinely creepy and the really funny ronnie Yu was hired to direct the film after kirshner and mancini were amazed by his film the bride with white hair and was allowed to use his creative freedom and the ability to hire his collaborators peter powell and david Wu from hong kong the inspiration to create a girlfriend for chucky came from david kirshner after he saw a copy of the classic bride of frankenstein in a video store mancini loved the idea and created tiffany he said after all, two dolls running around the country together and killing people a la natural-born killer dolls, or Barbie and Clyde, is really pretty funny. And Mancini chose Tiffany as his first choice, uh, Tilly, sorry, as his first choice to play Tiffany after being impressed with her in Bound, I think we were all impressed with her in Bound, and Bullets Over Broadway. Gina Gershon, Tilly's co-star in Bound, encouraged her to take the role. In retrospect, Mancini commented, once we introduced Jennifer Tilly's character, that brought a certain comedic camp vibe to the franchise which I think is kind of historically a hallmark of gay culture, referencing to the increasing use of LGBTQ plus characters in later Chucky films and TV series. Several months before production actually began the film, Kevin Yeager and his team began to create animatronic puppets for Chucky and Tiffany. For Chucky alone, nine different puppets were used. There we go. There we go. So, a good resurgence, uh, a step up from child's play three certainly which you know it needed it needed and i think you know when you release a film nine months after the previous one it's invariably not going to be great and the series not needs to take a break and i think it was wise to not bring back in andy barkley i understood why andy barkley had been in the previous three films because isn't it like when you i'm sure the mythology around the voodoo curse was that or the voodoo soul transference was that to get your soul back into a human it has to be the first person that you've revealed yourself to. It's something along those lines. That there is a reason why he keeps going after after Andy, other than just being a murderous psychopath looking for revenge. Uh, let's have a quick look at what everyone is saying in the chat before we move on. Um, Bride certainly redeemed the series, Bruce Todd says. My name is Noel. Bride is the one Chucky movie I've seen more than the rest. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. It's an alright movie. It, yeah, it's fun. I think it's fun. I don't think it's as good as two or one. But I think it's a fun film. The graph. Every time I see Bonnie and Family Guy, I think of Tiffany. Really recognisable voice. Um, baby, that's Catherine Heigl. What a dish back then. Steven Seagal's daughter in Under Siege 2. Still not seen Under Siege 2. Uh, Under Siege was fun. I saw that for the first time recently. Um, maybe I'll do Under Siege 2 and I eventually do with, uh, with Jamie the um, action film podcast. Who knows? Uh... Da, 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 the gruff i always get scream vibes from the bride of chucky poster art that's, that's a good shout actually that's very i guess scream 2 i guess scream 2 i think that's yeah that's a good shout Fran the can i can see that gruff uh bruce todd that's a fair point now we're all, we're all agreeing with you gruff my name is Noel. ronnie had father and son in his two movies john ritter and jason ritter oh yeah yeah yeah. of course of course jason ritter is one of the main characters and john ritter rest in peace was the the dad hey kaizen's here in the chat welcome back kaizen thank you for joining us so this now brings us on to a film that i i only watched when i bought the box set so when i bought the box set i'd, I'd seen 
parts one to three, well, part one to four, I should say. I hadn't seen the two straight-to-DVD sequels, which we'll, we'll touch on shortly, and I hadn't seen Seed of Chucky because I remember it getting awful reviews and also including Hannah from S Club 7 in it randomly. Um, <laughs> but that leads us on to Seed of Chucky, and it lived up to the bad reviews because I've seen this once, and that was enough for me. Uh, Kaizen, yes, I, possibly. I don't know. Uh, there's no gatekeeping here. Like what you like, don't like what you don't like. Everyone, uh, everyone's entitled to their opinion. You may well be the only one who doesn't like Seed of Chucky, but uh, <laughs> um, uh, oh, am I the only one who doesn't like Seed of Chucky? Oh, sorry, Kaizen, I misread that. I read, read that as am I the only one who likes Seed of Chucky? No, everyone. I don't think anyone likes Seed of Chucky. I thought it was crap. I thought it was crap. I thought it was a bad film. Uh, but Seed of Chucky's 2004 black comedy slasher film. Fifth installment in the Child's Play series and sequel to 1998's Bride of Chucky, as well as the first film to be distributed by another company since the original Child's Play. The film was written and directed by Don Mancini, who created the series and has written all the films except the 2019 remake. Stars Jennifer Tilly, Redman, Hannah Spirit, John Waters, Billy Boyd and Brad Dourif. With this entry, Mancini made his directorial debut. It's set six years after Bride of Chucky and follows a young young doll named Glenn, the son of Chucky and Tiffany, resurrecting his parents, causing chaos. It was shot in Romania, continues the series' evolution from the pure horror genre of the first three films to a hybrid horror comedy. It was the last Child's Play film from the original continuity to be released in theatres, with all future installments to be released direct to video until the 2019 reboot. Um... Oh, God. Do we need to talk about this plot? Well, we'll talk about it briefly. Six years from the previous film, Glenn, the benevolent living doll son of Chuck and Tiffany, has a nightmare in which he murders the little girl's parents. In reality, he is a living dummy for Sykes, an abusive ventriloquist in England. Glenn sees a preview of Jennifer Tilly's new horror film, Chucky Goes Psycho on television, which features Chucky and Tiffany dolls rebuilt from their original remains. Glenn realises that he is their son. Desperate to know his parents, Glenn escapes Sykes and tracks the Chucky and Tiffany dolls to a prop room in Hollywood. He uses the heart of Dambala, a voodoo amulet, to bring them back to life. Chucky faints upon learning he has a son, but Tiffany is overjoyed. When a special effects technician starts taking Tiffany apart, she and Chucky decapitate him with a wire. Jennifer finds the uh, beheaded body and calls the police. Chucky, Tiffany and Glenn sneak a ride to her home in a limousine. I don't need to talk too much about that. Uh, Bruce Todd in the chat. Ain't no party like an S-Club party. Uh, my name's not S-Club 7 girl, Hannah. <laughs> oh, oh man, how I forgot that. Uh, so, production. Ooh. Production on a new film called Son of Chucky began on October 18th, 1998, two days after the successful release of Bride of Chucky, whose director Ronnie Yu was unable to return due to scheduling conflicts. Don Mancini who's gay and was interested in exploring LGBT-related themes in the next film, decided to write a screenplay inspired by the 1953 cult classic Glenn or Glenda, in which Chucky's son is an innocent person suffering from gender dysmorphia. He also decided to continue the shift in the series towards comedy, after noting that horror villains such as Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger became less scary as they became more familiar with audiences. Universal Pictures, which produced the previous three films and had expected a more conventional slasher film with the son being a murderous villain, rejected the script with a note, this is too gay. Uh, production ultimately resumed when the pr project was approved by Focus Features, 
after the successful release of Cabin Fever in 2003 and was ultimately released through Rogue Pictures. Mancini claimed in the podcast that prior to casting Redman, he had offered to cast Quentin Tarantino as himself, but he declined. Um, it was uh, filmed entirely in Romania at the Castel Studios in order to save costs. Mancini tried to replicate the look of older horror films by shooting the film mostly on sound stages and was additionally influenced by the filmmaking styles of Brad De Palma and Dario Argento. All the animatronic and makeup effects were handiwork of effects designer Tony Gardner, who also appeared in the film as himself in a cameo, and his company, Alterian Inc. Uh, it opened with $8.7 million, uh, at number four in the box office. Um, yeah, it stunk. I mean, it made $24.8 million on a $12 million budget. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't do great, but it didn't do terrible in comparison to some of the other films. Uh, look here. Yeah, not good. Not good. I didn't like it. <laughs> just, I thought this sucked. I just thought this sucked. Um, enough said on that. I prefer Halloween ends to see the Chucky. <laughs> okay, so. This is where things get a little bit strange in terms of return to form, but eh? Eh? This is where I I wanted to like these films, but I just found them very unmemorable. And they both kind of blur into one for me. And we'll start with Curse of Chucky. 2013 American slasher film, sixth installment in the franchise, written and directed by Don Mancini, created the franchise and wrote the first six films. It stars Fiona Dorif, um, Danielle Bussetti, Brennan Elliott, Maitland McConnell, Shante Quisnell, Summer H. Howell, oh, excuse me, a. Martinez, Jennifer Tilly, Brad Dourif, and Alex Vincent uh, grossed $3.8 million in DVD sales. Uh, so his return to the franchise's source material, bringing back the straightforward horror elements found in the first Child's Play films, as well as Chucky's classic appearance. The film, which went into production in September 2012, was the first direct-to-video installment in the series. In the US, it premiered via VOD on September 24, 2013, followed by DVD and Blu-ray release. It was also turned to a scare zone for the 2013 Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios in uh, Hollywood. Um, I mean, I won't go too much into the plot for this film because it's massive. Um, but Chucky's now back. Um, the good guy doll named Chucky mysteriously arrives in the mail. Um, for paraplegic Nika Pierce and her mother Sarah Lee. That night Sarah's found dead from a stab wound. Her death's ruled suicide. I mean, I can't really remember in this film, to be honest. I don't want to read the whole plot. If it's explained how Chucky is back and in his prior form. I mean, chat, let me know if this is ever confirmed how this actually follows on from uh, Seed of Chucky or the prior films. I know we get uh, a post- post scene with Andy as an adult and that he's got uh, a Chucky head on, you know, with a shotgun at it. Um, around the can in the chat, I think the atmosphere of the house is good. Really oppressive. Baby, I've never even seen this. I don't think it's a bad film. I just thought it was kind of just a bit unmemorable. And I think because to me it just felt like it's connected to the prior films because we've got the Andy Barkley post credit scene. But I don't know if I ever picked up any sort of connection throughout the majority of the film as to 
well, how is Chucky back? Why is he back to normal and not all stitched up? Uh, yeah. uh, maybe I just missed it. Maybe I just missed it. Um, my name is not Elder. Straight to DVD era. Curse is great. Kate Kaizen, it ain't bad. Just forgetful. I'd agree with that, Kaizen. It's not a bad film. I just I can't remember a lot about it. I probably need to rewatch it. And I think this is on either Amazon Prime or Freebie. So I've got no excuse not to watch it. Um, but uh, we'll look to wrap up fairly soon, but we'll just kind of cover the production. So in a 20, 2008 interview, Don Mancini and David Kirshner spoke of a planned reboot of the Chucky franchise to be written and directed by Mancini. They described their choice for a remake over a sequel as a response to the will of the fans who want to see a scary Chucky movie again, to go back to the straightforward horror rather than the horror comedy. They indicated that Brad Dourif would return as the voice of Chucky. In subsequent interview, Mancini described the remake as a dark and scarier retelling of the original film, but one that, while having new twists and turns, would not stray too far from the original concept. At 2009 horror convention, Drift confirmed his role in the remake. At a reunion panel at the Mad Monster Party Horror and Sci-Fi Convention, the cast and crew from the original film confirmed that both a remake and a spin-off were in development. Writer Don Mancini and producer David Kirshner worked on the sequel, then titled Revenge of Chucky. Um... Yeah. So it looks like there was initially plans for this to be a reboot. And I guess, or a reboot or a remake. And I guess it kind of is. But then by having the connection with Andy at the end, that's what confuses me. Is this a new film with uh, with uh, with Chucky? And But no, because there's a moment here. It says, Nika searches the internet. She finds news articles about the murders tied to both the doll and Charles Lee Ray. Um, yeah, again, I can't remember if it's ever confirmed then. It's obviously in the same continuity, of course. I just can't remember. Um, oh, okay. So I've just seen the the live chat. Found the canon. Charles Lee Ray was infatuated with Nika's mum while alive. Okay. Well, there we go. There we go. That that that's the connection then. Um. So this was then followed in 2017, and I do think Curse is better than this film. Again, I don't think Cult of Chucky is necessarily bad. I do think Cult of Chucky is even more forgettable than Curse. I think Curse is the better film out of the two from the DVD, straight to DVD era. 2017 Supernatural slash film written directed by Don Mancini. Um, stars Fiona Dorif, Alex Vincent, uh, Michael, Michael Theoralt, Adam Hurtig, Elizabeth Rosen, Grace Lynn Kung, Marina Stevenson-Kerr, Zach Santiago, Jennifer Tilly, Brad Dorif, and Christine Elise. Um... Premiered at the London Fright Fest Film Festival on August 24th for 2017. Uh, released as a video by Universal Pictures Entertainment and uh, VOD and DVD. Received generally positive reviews from critics and has grossed over 2 million DVD and Blu-ray sales. In 2017, Andy Barkley has been torturing the disembodied head of Chucky for four years. Meanwhile, wheelchair-bound Nico Pierce has been in a mental institution after being framed by Chucky for the murders of her family. Nika now believes she was responsible for murders and Chucky was a manifestation of her psychosis. Dr. Foley, Nika's doctor, has her transferred to a medium security psychiatric hospital. So the ending I thought was kind of interesting for this, with um, Nika getting possessed by a Chucky, and we have multiple Chuckies in this. He's able to transfer his soul to, to multiple Chucky dolls. But again, I I... I generally find it generally kind of forget forgettable, really. I don't think it's a bad film. I didn't think... I mean, these two films aren't Seed of Chucky. You could even say they're probably slightly better than 
uh, Child's Play 3, which Child's Play 3 is just a bit meh. It's not, te- it's not a bad film, it's just not very good. I'd probably say I prefer Child's Play 3 to Carlton Curse, but I kind of feel that they're on an even playing field. If we were doing a uh, uh, a rating, a ranking, they'd all be kind of middle, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they're not the first one or the second one at the end of the day. Um, yeah, it's not too much to kind of say on that. I mean, production, following the release of Curse of Chucky, Mancini confirmed he was planning on developing seven installment of the Chucky franchise. By February 2015, Mancini was in the process of writing the script for the film. A year later, Mancini, Jennifer Till and Fiona Dorif confirmed that shooting would soon begin for the film. Production office for the film was opened in Winnipeg, Mon- uh, Manitoba, Canada in December 16. Um, in in October 2013 uh, interview Mancini revealed that since Child's Play 3 he had always wanted to introduce the concept of multiple Chuckies but was unable to do so due to budget constraints he eventually used the concept in Cult of Chucky 26 years later a reference to Glenn Glender a character from Seed of Chucky was cut out of the film although it's something that Mancini definitely wanted to keep um yeah, I mean, it's got an approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes of 80%. An average rating of 6.1%. Um, yeah, just forgettable, I found. I didn't think it was bad. IGN gave it 7.4 out of 10. Man, maybe I need to rewatch it. It's got very good reviews. It's got very good reviews, but... Uh, yeah, We won't talk about the remake just because I haven't pulled the, the information. The remake was fine. I mean, it's Mark Hamill does a good job. As as Chucky, instead of him being possessed by a serial killer, it's like a malfunctioning AI. It's fine. It's an unoffensive, unoffensive horror reboot. Aubrey Plaza's great in it. Again, not one that I want to rewatch anytime soon. You know, it's fine. It's just fine. <laughs> we'll then move to what came as a bit of a surprise to me. When this was announced as a TV series, I was like, really. Based on the last two straight-to-DVD films, I was very kind of surprised because it felt like this was a TV series with a bit of money behind it. Um, We got, by Sci-Fi and USA Network, Chucky TV series, uh, created by Don Mancini, based on Child's Play film franchise, serves as a sequel to Cult of Chucky, and stars Bradger reprising his role as the voice of the titular character alongside Zachary Arthur, Tio Briones, Alvia Alin Lind, and Bjorgvin Amarsson. Uh, cast also includes Fiona Dorif, Alex Vincent, Christina Lee, and Jennifer Tilly reprising their roles from the previous films. Um, the series follows Chucky as he commits a series of uh, mysterious murders in a quiet city in the United States. Series creator Mancini and producer David Kirshner both serve as executive producers for the series, alongside Nick Antosca, Harley Payton, and Alex Hudland. Um, it's we can't really talk too much about series two because I haven't seen any of it, and that's only just started. But yeah, we've also got Devin Sawyer, Idle Hands, Final Destination. You know, it's, it's kind of two thousands horror royalty. Um, also, he was Stan in the Eminem video. Uh, some more people might remember him for. Um, Gina Gershon is in Series 2. That's pretty cool. Liv Morgan, we, we know about. G- uh, Giona Jean Daddio is her real name. Uh, Joe Pantoliano is in Series 2 as himself. Meg Tilly, 
that's Jennifer Tilly's sister. Um, and Sutton Strake, I don't know who that is. But let's just have a quick look at the production. So, in 2019, it was reported that a television series based on the Child's Play franchise was in development on sci-fi, with Don Mancini serving as the creator. Mancini was also express, expected to serve as executive producer alongside David Kirshner, uh, Harley Payton, and Nick Antosca. In January, 20, uh, January 11, 2020, during NBC Universal's presentation uh, at the TCA Winter Press Tour in Pasadena, California, it was announced that Sci-Fi had given the production a straight-to-series order, with the Universal content productions involved in the production. While working on the show, Mancini was concerned with the potential impact the 2019 Child's Play reboot could have had in the franchise, speculating that, had it been a success, Universal Pictures could have decided to abandon the original film continuity. However, the reboot film, made without Mancini's approval, did not affect the TV show and a sequel has not been produced. Mancini began working for television on the Hannibal series, wanted to reinvent the Chucky franchise by bringing it to this format and subsequently expand its fandom. He took a somewhat autobiographical approach to Jake's character, a gay teenager whose father is not accepting of the boy's burgeoning sexual and romantic identity. The director cites this conflict as referential to his own adolescence. The show is a direct sequel to Cult of Chucky, where the cliffhanger ending put the titular character on the road to a sexual exploration after he transfers his soul to a female body. As an innovation for the character, Chucky is also used as a metaphor uh, of the real-life bully, guising himself to be charming and funny and manipulating people, what Mancini called the ultimate bully. By making him close to Jake, whose struggles are related to those of the LGBT community, the series also acknowledges that Chucky himself has a queer kid, Glenn G Glenda from The Seed of Chucky. According to Decider's John O'Brien, queer characters have been a child's play mainstay ever since Bride of Chucky's ill-fated David, played by Gordon Michael Wolvert, back in 1998. But this series marks the first time they've had such a prominent presence. However, Mancini remarked that Chucky is just a psychopath and will kill anybody despite posing as Jake's ally. Uh, Mancini wrote all eight episodes of the first series along with a team of writers and ended up directing the first episode. For Chucky, he was allowed to use the word fuck a maximum of ten times per episode since he considers it an, ele uh, an elemental aspect of the character. With eight hours to explore different sides of the story, Mancini saw the opportunity to eludicate the killer's past and answer questions that fans have been asking, like who his first victim was and how he met his bride Tiffany. Regarding the concept of multiple Chuckies, he explained that there are different versions of the character rather than a collective mind, something that had also had its origin in Cult of Chucky. Uh, been renewed for a second season, which we uh, which we have, and uh, there was further commented by Jennifer Tilly, who foresaw the return of Glenn Glenda. Uh, despite being disappointed by the initial reception of Seed of Chucky, Mancini was glad that this character was later embraced by queer fans of the franchise, which motivated him to expand their story in season two. Also inspired by Catholic-based horror films like The Exorcist and The Omen, Mancini set the second season on a Catholic reform school, thinking that it would be troublesome for Jake and Devon's relationship to keep unfolding in an environment that is not exactly down with the gays. This also draws from Mancini's youth, since he grew up under the beliefs of the Catholic Church. He also stated that at this point, making the show had become cathartic and that it had begun to exploit specific actors' strengths and interests with his writing, for example, uh, Bjorgen Arneson's comedic side. The season also marks the reintroduction of the Wedding Bell doll, an item from Bride of Chucky that Mancini had been planning to use for quite a while. I don't remember the Wedding Bell doll. Oh, don't know. Uh, let's have a look at what the chat says before we wrap things up for this evening. Uh, blah, 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 blah. 
My name is not Earl. Um, oh, Bruce Todd. Um, can we skip the 2019 pish? Nothing needs said. Okay, you beat me. Yeah. <laughs> My name is Noel. The remake was better than expected. Uh, the graph. I liked the 2019 remake. Rewatched it a few times. I like that rather than copy the serial killer idea, they made him an AI doll. I actually like kind of sorry. I actually felt kind of sorry for him when he doesn't understand why Andy is angry. He killed the cat. The cat. Plus, Mark Hamill is awesome as always. Now to the series. Bruce Todd not seen any of the series. Brian the Cannon, Fiona Dorif playing a character possessed by a character played by her actual father is trippy. Oh man, her character, Fiona Dorif's character, um, goes through some shit in this film. Um, we also see her having a scene with Jennifer Tilly. I'll say no more. But we also see Fiona Dorif playing the young Charles Lee Ray, which is obviously played by Brad Dorif in the first film, which is very cool, very cool. My name's not Earl. I've only seen the first two episodes of season one. It's good. It's just stick with it. And it wasn't wasn't for everyone. It is a bit angsty, but it is telling us it is telling a story. I enjoyed it generally. Um, there's also quite a cool murder scene during a silent disco, which I thought was quite good. The graph. I started watching the Chucky TV show for a few episodes. Got behind after a few episodes, and never went back. I keep meaning to though. I enjoyed it enough. My name's not Earl. Can't stand the blonde. Yeah, I think she's meant to be quite unlikable for the most part. Uh, Baby Ice, Joe Panty, whatever, was in the movie Bound with Jay Tilly. And Kaizen, I don't want Glenn back. Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe Glenn Glenda was just in a very unfortunate film, being Seed of Chucky. Um, I don't know. We shall see. We shall see. Well, that brings us to the end of another episode, another thrilling episode uh, of the Ministry of Horror. Thank you very much if you're watching this live. Please make sure to uh, like the, the stream, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. All helps, all that jazz. Got some cool viewing numbers already for like the live show, so this is really quite cool. We've recently revamped our, our thumbnails. Uh, thanks to Lawrence for that, putting those things together. I did the new thumbnail kind of based on uh, based on this kind of template that, uh, that he... Um, he created so uh, yeah it looks cool and i think it brings a bit more uniformity to the channel playlists and all that so he's doing lawrence is all the admin stuff um so you know thank you to uh, to lawrence for that listen to some podcast streams please give us a five star review and all that jazz on uh, all available podcasts apple stitcher spotify all that jazz um so coming up this week we have attorney years from uh, Barracles and dave which is about uh, it's a wrestling it's a wrestling podcast if you're if you're not familiar obviously on sunday we've got the return of ministry of slam the flagship show on the mos network so if you like your wwe or aew or other places new japan impact whatever we cover that good show good show lots of fun chat on there lots of going to be doing some gaming in the week i know we did some gaming last night of uh, ghostbusters spirit within check that out on the vod on the page i think he's planning to do some gaming in the week um i will most likely this friday on my twitch channel twitch.tv forward slash tezius do a, uh, a watch party i'll find a film on amazon prime and you can join along and watch it be sure to join the discord um i, I don't know why i'm not the uh, the live chat doesn't automatically bring up the automate the discord uh chat bot anymore i will just try and see if i can get a link so at least it's there in the the chat can i remember how to do this invite people copy this gonna work there you go i think that works <laughs> um we have 
uh discord's a great community um where we've got a channel for ministry of horror we talk all things horror lots of good stuff there community chat wrestling gaming all this cool stuff um geeky pete makes props does some very very cool cosplay type props um oh fran no that was me copy and pasting from uh from discord <laughs> but oh so the link works that's good thank god um i haven't just sent someone to some like porn site or something uh what else what else so yeah i think we're doing some gaming in this week um not sure what exactly i will be doing a watch party friday or saturday depending on availability i might try and do some streaming maybe saturday whether it's on my twitch or whether it's on here i do i do find i have less pressure if i'm doing just random gaming not to do a schedule and just you know dip in and you know just play to like a couple of viewers or whatever we'll see um my name is noel i'll join you on friday what time uk so uk time is probably going to be between 8 or 9 p.m which is 8 p.m is 3 p.m eastern so 3 or 4 p.m eastern um don't know on the film yet we'll work it out it's basically whatever's on amazon prime uk um and if it isn't available on your location i'll I give out timestamps. so if you are watching it via a different mean then at least you can link it up and, and watch it concurrently but we'll we'll keep keep an eye on the discord my name is not earl and everyone and we always confirm in there what we're going to watch it's a good time have a couple of drinks have some snacks chat watch a film always a good laugh um but yeah if i do some gaming i'm thinking either maybe god of war which i know is probably a bit old hat because the new one's just coming out tomorrow um at the time of recording uh or elden ring maybe because i'm enjoying that i'm enjoying that but i don't know maybe i prefer gaming those sort of games when i'm not on stream and i can just i don't have to talk <laughs> but either way check out the discord you'll find out what i'm going to do if you want to follow on twitter it's at ministry underscore horror if you want to follow me on facebook it's at ministry of horror um we don't have an instagram page but my own instagram is at tez Elliott, i think t-e-z-z-e-l-l-i-o-t-t all my own personal ones are either that or tezius t-e-z-z-i-u-s you'll find me on those ones you'll recognize me from my profile picture no doubt anyway that's enough from me we're going to run the credits i don't have the update list of credits apologies if your name's not in there and you are a member apologies we will get it rectified and if you are a member you can watch things like the funny games review that myself and lawrence did and he also does the ministry of marvel uh, i think he's got a new one with wolf steve coming up soon anyway that's enough thank you so much for joining me this evening thank you for listening whenever you are have a great rest of your evening or day whatever you're do doing goodbye See you later.